Everybody get up, it's time to slam now, we got a real jam going down, welcome to the Space Jam, Space Jam, here's your chance, do your dance at the Space Jam, alright, hello everybody, and welcome to the JAM, for our last episode of Tuesdays with Maury this year, I can't believe it's that time already, thank you so much if you're You've been listening to us before. We continue to do so for the new year, and we can't wait to tell you guys what's next. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm your host, Dean Taylor. Joining me tonight is my co-host, Devin King. And we have a very special guest with us, uh, beyond Deadpool Fool. I'm sorry, I don't know your real name, Deadpool Fool, but we'll get to you in a second. Thank you for my listening. My name's Tad. Yeah, he's such a Chad that he's willing to listen in for our last episode. And we also have... Tad. in the Effect animator, most notable for his work on Final Space, Drew Adams. How are you guys doing tonight? Thank you so much for having me back onto the pro um, back onto the program again. I am really excited to talk about tonight's films. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you back, yes. man. It's anytime yeah. we talk about animation, I just try to get you on as much as possible, Drew. Oh yeah, and and we're excited to to have this uh, new guest, uh, Tad. Right. Yeah, Tad. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Like just you, a Tad, but don't tell, tell, don't ever say that joke, or I will kill you. So. Gotcha. That's just, right. Uh, I made the chat. I, I don't. Joke, I don't so. want to be a Tad over jealous, but no. Oh. Hey. No, I'm, I'm coming for you. Are you coming from the way in Canada? I don't know where you are. Maybe I, I want to die. <laughs> no, it's I all will good. find you. And I will kill you. <laughs> Do the Liam Neeson monologue from Taken. I know. Um, the look. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for suggesting this episode, and congratulations for winning the poll. Yes, congratulations. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Uh, I'm yeah. I thank you. Like I'm. It's awesome that my uh, my idea got picked. So uh, yeah. everybody who watched the movies tonight, you're welcome. Or apologies in advance. <laughs> you, you, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit and uh, yeah, what you do? do? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name's Tad. Um, I currently work a lot with a Orange Hat Film Productions, uh, Daryl Ailes. You've had him on this uh, podcast before. Um, I'm an amateur filmmaker and also an animation lover. And um, yeah, it was this was this was basically uh, just kind of my idea. And I really love Looney Tunes, and I was just kind of one of those things where it was just like I want to hear what these guys have to say about the Looney Tunes and the animation and the movies that they've been in so yeah i'm mm -hmm. super excited yeah. awesome thanks for coming on and thank you no for problem. making me watch a new legacy a second time i'll make sure to remember <laughs> that and uh i was speaking to drew and i said drew if i'm going to be watching a new legacy again i need a good animation to talk about and drew said what you have in mind well i'll tell you what i had in mind there's this netflix show that i had in mind called Hang on. Arcane. And I don't know if you've seen this, Ted, but if you're, you guys I, are cool with it, I'd I, like to have a quick discussion with it with Drew, because both of us watched yeah. it. I watched it for a second time recently because my brother's over, so would you guys mind if we just talk about it real quick? Just gush over it? Oh, absolutely. I've, uh, I've only seen the trailers, so I haven't seen the show okay, itself. So... From what I've seen, it looks beautiful. Like It's <sighs> yeah. it, like, like Spider-Verse levels of gorgeous when it mm -hmm. comes to animation. 
But yeah, uh, yeah I haven't seen it. But so yeah, I'm curious means, how much do you guys care about spoilers before we get into? Uh, it? I don't care about spoilers at all, Devin. I think I'm personally of the mind that like spoilers can enhance a, a show. So yeah, fair enough. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, what I'll say in particular is I can give my review with all without talking about almost any spoilers. I give this show my highest possible review of how dare they make me care about League of Legends. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So spoiler alert for Kane in that case. Um, let's you yeah, let's just get into it. So uh, that is not the text I wanted. Sorry, hang on a second. I'm just working out Streamlabs here. Uh, and yeah, there we go. Um... All right. Uh, I have an introduction set. Um, so Arcane is the very ambitious Netflix animated series based off the somehow famous League of Legends series. Essentially, it's kind of like an origin story on several League of Legends characters, most notably Jinx, who's pretty skilled engineer when she isn't practically losing her mind, V, who's kind of like a rough-and-tumble street fighter of sorts that fights with these mechanical gauntlets, and Victor, who's kind of more of a well-off inventor of sorts, and takes place between two cities, uh, very conveniently located next to each other. Uh, there's like this utopian paradise known as Piltover, while the underground city of Zaun is a lot more... A lot more run down, and it's kind of under the heel of Piltover's leadership and uh, their oppressive government, and kind of the reign they try to keep on the city to keep the upper ground safe. Not the most subtle, but it definitely works in this context, and they flesh out the world enough that I, I, I'm going to let it happen. Uh, the show is kind of about the relationship between these characters and how their interactions with the world kind of change the story of both cities, for better and for worse. Now, I, I'm going to preface this by saying I really couldn't care less about League of Legends. I never touched a game, never really looked into the lore. Like, the only League of Legends experience I have is, like, some really bizarre cinematic trailers and music videos. Yes, they did do a K-pop music video for this. And yes, it is from the same animation team of the show, believe it or not. Um, so let me say up front that, you know, despite all of that, the show is fantastic not just because the animation is incredible which it is but it's just so intricately written and so morally gray and well paced that i was just glued to this, my screen the entire time i just I, I can't think of a single other show this year that held my attention like this like the witcher season two i was kind of you know on and off about uh, other animated shows with new seasons I was on enough about, but this show, I was start to finish, I was just glued to the screen. Like, I binged for the entire show in the day, and that's just how entrancing the experience was. Um, but, Drew, I'd like to know your thoughts. Well, I absolutely concur with your opinions. Uh, this show absolutely captivated me, and I came in with a very cynical attitude, because I, I have actual friends who play League of Legends, and so I've heard the grumblings and the mumblings about this game. So going into this show, I expected something on par with, say, the World of Warcraft movie. What I was delighted by is the fact that this show very much did the best possible decision in contrast to the World of Warcraft movie. Um, and that is, they said, instead of espousing textbooks worth of exposition, dialogue, backstory, and lore, 
it's just a straightforward character drama with two very, very well-written characters. Mm -hmm. Nobody needs to know what arcane, you know, elemental characters are. No one cares what a yordle is or why the, you know, deep lore of the show happens and who the astral entities or whatever they're supposed to be are. It's just two characters trying to have a good life in a bad world. And that's so direct and compelling. And it was such a brilliant decision that it even invested me. Again, I, I said at the beginning, they made me care about League of Legends characters. <laughs> and I cannot forgive them for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'd agree with that. And I think another thing that like makes it stand head and shoulders above other game adaptations is just like how much it tries to avoid the temptation of fan service like oh oh this is the ability you all know oh this is the character you all know there, there's moments like that in there but they serve a narrative purpose like they build off of the narrative in compelling ways that like yeah you see jinx's ultimate you see her you know her theme is in the movie sorry the show not the movie but it does feel like a movie but it all feels like an organic part of the world. It doesn't take you out of the experience. It isn't like the Warcraft movie where it's like, oh, here's the polymorph spell you all know. All right, we're done with that. We're never going to address it again. Moving on. <laughs> like, there's nothing like that in this movie. Sorry, I keep saying movie, but it is like a cinematic experience. It is like a six-hour movie broken into several episodes, much to the point where it's kind of split into three acts. Like, the first act is about their childhood, the second act is about their teenagehood, and the final act is built into their adulthood. And I think that was a very wise decision to kind of structure the episodes like that. And just part of why it makes the episodes go by so long, because it feels like you're watching three separate holes in one entire season. Mm, I, I absolutely have to agree. Uh, and for me, uh, when I finished watching this show, I was equal parts enchanted and genuinely upset because after Arcane, companies are going to think they can just ask for this level of quality. And this caliber of writing and storytelling, character animation, visual animation, uh, and acting real capital a acting in this tv series isn't something that you can just demand in a contract it's created by teams yeah, it's upon made of teams fashion of brilliant passionate incredible artists mm -hmm. um i would say that arcane is one of the most stylistically physically delicious shows i've seen in quite a long time and i would thoroughly recommend it even if you've never had any experience with uh, League of Legends yeah. as a franchise, I found it accessible, well-written, and genuinely fun and entertaining. A truly entertaining show in a world full of rather hollow and quickly churned out content. Yeah, exactly. It's the passion that makes it work, because part of that is something that doesn't happen very often. The game developers were actually involved in the writing process and trying mm -hmm. to make the lore as accurate as possible. That's not something that happens with most game adaptations, and this kind of makes me wonder why. <laughs> I feel like if they just simply did that, you know, they could flesh out the world, they could give their own interpretation of how it's, you know, the source material is supposed to be, and there's none of that, you know, skewed bias from another different perspective. You know, you compare this to The Witcher Season 2, where the creator of that kind of bragged about, like, how much she loved the books and how faithful <laughs> she tried to make the show when it had some very very clear deviations from the source material but i spoke to my brother about this and he said like there's next to no lore changes 
they changed like a name of a couple of characters, and that's pretty much it. And changed some of the voice actors. Like it's so faithful to the lore, and that <laughs> in a way you're kind of right. It does make me care about League of Legends characters when I really shouldn't. And uh, talk about the animation real quick. Something I kind of looked into. There was no motion capture used at all in this entire show. But the animations of the characters are so expressive, like the looks in their eyes, the eyebrows, the eyebrow muscles kind of weighing down, the sweat, just the lucrative level of detail. I couldn't believe it. And the fact that there's no like motion capture, performance capture, or anything along those lines is just a huge compliment to the animators and how lifelike they brought their characters. This is something very interesting, I'll say very quickly, and will probably, unfortunately, get brought up later on as the uh, podcast goes on. <laughs> but one of the things that loads of people in my industry, and I'll say this as an animator myself, many people forget that animators are actors. We aren't simply drawing a picture just for its aesthetic, but it must move and act as a character itself. And the animators on Arcane mm -hmm. really pushed their performance to such incredible levels. They are full body, capital A, acting with these characters. And it was just truly a, a delight to watch. Yeah, exactly. And, and one thing I was afraid of was just it was going to be stellar for substance. Like, I knew it was gorgeous before, but I'm just like, okay, it's not really going to have much else to it, is there? But there is so much depth to the characters and their actions and... Characters you think are kind of going to be one-dimensional, like Soko is the example I use, where he's got like the one scar on his eye, and he's got the suit and the tux. So you're just like, all right, you're you're just going to be a stereotypical lame bad guy, but he genuinely develops a relationship for Jinx's character, who's spoiler alert, her name is Powder, and she kind of turns into Jinx throughout the story, and her transformation to that character is just insanely well realized, just how psychotic and numb she becomes to. <laughs> Like, genuinely connecting with any characters and delving into anarchy. It's kind of how I wanted Harley Quinn's relationship with the Joker to be in the Suicide Squad movie. But here it's, like, properly realized in that sense. And you do, despite how nasty and disgusting Soko is, you do get the impression he does care about Powder. And he does genuinely want her to succeed. And that does kind of mess with his plans in a way and adds so much texture to his character that you wouldn't expect. You kind of expect him to do the whole oh, uh, I was evil the whole time and just manipulating, manipulating you at the end of the story. But uh, he, he does care about her and how much he does is you know kind of left to the audience's interpretation. And there's a lot of characters like that where it kind of makes you think they're going to go one way, but they just pull you in the other direction. In a way that's satisfying, not in the Ryan Johnson subvert your expectations <laughs> kind of unsatisfying payoff, but something that just genuinely keeps you excited and interested. No, I'm, I, uh, I had so much fun with this TV show, and I guess uh, Drew's reviews is that um, it's a relatively short show. Uh, mm -hmm. It's only, what, nine episodes at 40 minutes apiece? Yeah, it's um, only about, like, six hours long. Yeah, uh, it, you, could, you could do significantly worse on Netflix, and honest to goodness, I would say uh, if you're a fan of really, really good quality computer animation uh and storytelling and you really haven't had that satisfying fantasy story experience in a while definitely check out arcane it was it totally surprised me i didn't go into it with 
high expectations at all, and I had an absolute blast from start to finish. Uh, did you have any issues with it? Because mine are very minor. That's a great question. For me, my... I didn't really have any issues with the show because I felt like every single part of it was so carefully crafted. I could definitely take issue with uh, Riot Games as a company, but that's that's an entire other podcast <laughs> yeah. to get into. Thousand dollar um, skins, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah. yeah, I I gotta say, uh, this show for me, uh, as an animator, I'm actually not a character animator, I'm a visual effects animator, so my <laughs> favorite part of this show was seeing the 2D hand-drawn smoke and sparks and yes, visual that's, accents. Yeah, you so kind of see... Uh, I don't know what the effect there is. There's like first-person punching scenes where she's kind of like punching the camera or she's punching somebody else from the first-person point of view and like all the little effects that come out that... It, it's not like cartoonish or silly, but it does kind of like add a unique style to it and so many action scenes are lifted up by that. If I had any issues with the show... I, I know we disagreed on the music. Like, I, I just really have something against music that's, like, out of place of the setting, where I don't buy that the setting would use that kind of music. It's reminds me a lot of Baz Luhrmann's Great Gatsby in that sense, where let's just have some pop music in the middle of an action scene, or let's just have music explain <laughs> the feelings of the characters. Like, the, the epilogue is such a great scene, but Stain's song was just a little too on the nose. Like, why don't you love who I am? Like, <laughs> I would have preferred to figure that out on my own. I was kind of annoyed the music did that. The the fucking band scene where they played, like, the pop music. I'm pretty sure the band's members actually played themselves. I just had secondhand embarrassment from that. Like, it, it felt like a Baz Luhrmann movie. I could not believe what was happening. See, was so that's ridiculous. so interesting. Uh, they, they have a behind-the-scenes sort of interview on YouTube of the making of the music for Arcane. And they just straight up interview Imagine Dragons, and all of them are just completely jazzed to actually be in this show. They're like, we, they animated us? They put us in the background? Like, yeah. it's so much fun? I'm like, I honestly, that counterbalanced it for me. Seeing these guys just so genuinely invigorated to have music in this thing that they apparently are real-life fans of, which, Yeah, it's oh unsurprising. You know? They did music for League of Legends before, so it's not too surprising. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, I, uh... it just pulled me out of the experience a little bit. And Echo, the character Echo, like, he's didn't really have much to do in the story. Like, it felt like he kind of just showed up to be like, no, you can't do this. No, it's too nice dangerous hair, to go there. Yeah, he has nice hair, and his time travel accuracy is fantastic. I won't spoil too much about that, but his character is really just kind of there. And it wouldn't be so much of an issue if the other characters weren't so well-written and engaging. That he just kind of sticks up from the cast like a sore thumb. That's it, though. Uh, maybe they've got plans for season two because yeah, again, they just... said, "Don't they have? Didn't they almost immediately announce? Yes, in production. They for did season... announce a season two, but I will say they also announced the season two for the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance before they canceled it. I'm just saying, just pointing well, that out there. As far as I'm aware, this show did numbers, and I think they would be fools not to continue it. Age of Resistance also did numbers, but yeah, I agree they'd be fools <laughs> not to continue it. And mm. hopefully they could keep the same level of passion and not just, you know, loot, drop their quality, drop the ball like some shows got carried away with. But, you know, only time will tell. And hopefully this does get a second season and it's just 
fantastic work of art, but a very compelling story at its core, and that's what's going to hold up the most over the years. And I'm just really happy of how they handled these characters. The voice cast is great. Haley Steinfeld was surprisingly great. I don't know how much of the cast is the original voice actors or like new voice actors. I think Jinx is the original voice actor. I think, but yeah, she definitely stole every scene she was in. And animated shows with this level of passion just don't exist anymore. And I kind of wish mature animation was more like this and not less of the edgy, gross humor we see in like Poops or Paradise PD or other garbage. Like that. This is what adult animation should be in my eyes. And I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten. Go watch Ooh. it if you haven't. Seriously, that is it. a very that's a very good review. Uh, I will say my all-time favorite comment about the description of adult animation. Uh, I'm probably gonna misattribute this horribly, but I can give it to uh, Peter Chung, Eon Flux director, <laughs> creator, and nice. all-around crazy man. Uh, and <laughs> his comment, I believe, if I'm not quoting this horribly and correctly is adult animation isn't just about you know um being able to make jokes about uh curse words and drugs and farts uh adult animation and adult storytelling is simply that storytelling that speaks to topics and themes that are too too mature and complicated for children to understand and i think that arcane does a brilliant job of actually treating its audience with both maturity and uh, respect and for that i'm absolutely gonna agree nine out of ten for me great time to be had nice all right everybody get up because it's time to slam down so well i'm sold uh, <laughs> yeah 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 seriously that please sounds... watch it no that sounds good to me i mean it's, oh, good. it's so hard to make a good video game adaptation these days and it i sounds know like they and they really... just knocked it off the perk like, it's insane. Yeah. Like, with stuff like Castlevania and, you know, Arcane, like, Netflix it doesn't know what they're doing most of the time, but with video game adaptations, you know, sometimes they get it right. So, who knows? I want them to let me buy uh, Castlevania Season 4 on Blu-ray already, for goodness sake. Is Season let 4 me... out? Uh, season 4 is out on Netflix, but not on Blu-ray. Oh, I'm assuming the rest of the series is. Yes. Oh, nice. And I definitely do own all three seasons so far. <laughs> all right, who wants to introduce Space Jam? <laughs> Let's oh, get down uh, to brass tacks. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I thought we are doing uh, back in action first. Oh, back uh, in action. That's for... right. I'm sorry. Back in action. Who wants to introduce so, yeah, we, back we, we, in action? Uh, yeah, um, Drew suggested we do a different order here. So we have the uh, the the Space Jams back to back. Yeah, that, that works. I'm sorry, Drew. I totally forgot about that. No, I would like good. to. I, I, I would like to introduce Space Jam later. Yes, sounds good. Uh, so I guess that leaves uh, the person who recommended the episode. Would you like to introduce back in action? And Drew, you want to introduce sure. a new legacy for reasons we'll explain later. You know what? I would. I would love that. All right. <laughs> Spoiler alert for back in action because it's uh, underrated Kino, so you don't want to be spoiled. All right. Have at her. All right, well, uh, Looney Tunes, back in action. It's an adventure movie starring Bugs Bunny and Donald Duck and Brendan Fraser and Jenna Elfman and Steve Martin. They're off to, you know, Indiana Jones their way through some sort of a movie plot. And, um, yeah, it's a movie directed by Joe Dante, who is notorious for having kind of a, uh, a very loony career himself, like most of his movies. He was very... 
very uh, influenced by the Looney Tunes as a kid. He was also friends with Chuck Jones, um, who was the guy who like pretty much made all the Looney Tunes who they are. And um, yeah, it's it's a very interesting adventure movie. It had a very troubling production period. Uh, at one point, it was supposed to be called Spy Jam and have <laughs> uh, Jackie Chan. They also thought about doing, uh, what was it, Skate Jam with Tony Hawk. There was, it was supposed to be... Uh... So it's just oh, supposed to be another Space Jam, just with another... <laughs> it oh was. my god, sports That sounds lovely. incredible. That I does imagine sound there's incredible. like parallel universes where all those different jams came to be. <laughs> well, was there also Chef Jam with Gordon Ramsay? <laughs> oh my god, Or Jamie yes. Oliver. I guess he was bigger in the early 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> so uh Anyways. yeah that, that's uh looney tunes back in action i mean let's just jump right into it i guess this rabbit is fucking raw sorry that joke came late <laughs> oh boo it's too easy uh i'm gonna probably uh kick us off by saying i actually am not gonna go into a whole heck of a lot of detail uh without being too blunt about things this was my favorite movie of all three of this evening and I'm probably going to be really light on the details because I would unironically encourage people to go watch this. Compared to a few movies that we'll discuss this evening, I really enjoy this film. Looney Tunes Back in Action gave me the most unironic laughs. I had the most genuine fun with this movie. And I really actually did enjoy the acting. The animation was really solid. And... For goodness sake, can I quickly mention, they did indeed hire Timothy Dalton, one of the actual Bond, yep. James Bonds, <laughs> to show up and, well, you guys can talk about those details. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we have to open up by addressing the uh, really strange fourth wall breaks this film has, because that's, that's kind of what kept me going. Like, it, they really just lean into its absurd concept, and they... <laughs> They're not afraid to poke fun at the celebrities involved and just Warner Brothers as a studio as a whole. Like it, right down to Speedy Gonzalez complaining about how political correctness ruined his career, or <laughs> Scoopy and Shaggy <laughs> talking to Matthew Lillard about how they fucked up his depiction of the character, which a lot of animators <laughs> actually like, fought. Apparently, <laughs> like it's just so like bizarre. It's I'm you. coming after you, man! <laughs> just burrs <laughs> on him. Like, it's so... like these, a ruby rack. In all seriousness, <laughs> these are the kind of fourth wall breaks I want to see in movies. Just very fun, very creative, not just the typical, yeah. wow, was it this dumb? Aren't uh, derivative sequels dumb? No, just like really creative, really fun. I want to see Brendan Fraser make fun of himself, saying that he can do all the stunts, <laughs> and then punch himself at the end of the movie. That's the kind of four so breaks good. I want to see. Man. Yeah, I laughed Man, so you know, hard. You, you know what? It, it, it just it gave me this like realization that this would have paired perfectly with like the the last action hero. Yeah. Like yeah. A while ago, a while ago, I wanted to do like a meta movie marathon where we talked about movies that acknowledge themselves in some way, and uh, a movie we're going to cover next week could also fall into that roster. Uh, not to give much away yet, but I yeah I like the fact that they were just kind of given like almost free reign of the Warner Brothers a lot, and they just kind of poked fun at other productions that happened to be happening, and they were able to interact with. I, I like that stuff. I like where movie studios kind of take a jab at themselves and make fun of their 
own corporate monopolies on these properties. Yeah. And the whole film is kind of about like how uh, companies are exploiting like old washed up products to make new products. And Daffy Duck just keeps joking about how he's like, oh, it's just the same old slapstick. You just keep beating me around. And all Bugs Bunny has to do is eat a carrot and people fucking love him. <laughs> it's just so oh, self-aware. It yeah, knows exactly yeah. what it is without being obnoxious. Like that's the difference between this and something like... I don't know, Matrix Resurrections. It's not obnoxious about its fourth wall breaking. It doesn't it's, outstay it, its welcome. It's really giving Looney Tunes credit that they're doing this without being obnoxious. Exactly. <laughs> well, <laughs> Looney think, Tunes fall I movies. Think, <laughs> I think what makes this film apart from the other two movies that we're going to talk about is that you can tell that the people involved really had respect for the Looney Tunes characters. Oh, and legitimately. Like, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, you know, the studios come down and it's just like, we want a scene where Bugs Bunny does hip hop. Like, you can tell that Joe Dante <laughs> was like, are you crazy? Like, you can't do that. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> like apparently Joe Dante and the uh, the head animator in charge, Eric Goldberg, who uh, I'm sure Drew probably knows this, is the guy who did uh, the animation for, like, the genie in uh, uh, Aladdin. I've, I've met Eric Goldberg in person once. He's a genuinely what? delightful person to talk to. No way. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. at Toronto yep. Comic Arts Festival. Shout out to TCAF 2018. Wow. He That's actually incredible. also voices some of the cartoons, too. He's uh, the voice of Speedy mm -hmm. Gonzalez, uh, Marvin the Martian, and uh, one other character, Tweety Bird. Tweety Bird. Wow. That's right. I forgot about that. And, and Brendan Fraser voices the Tasmanian Devil. <laughs> He voices the she-devil as well, yes! by the way. Oh, I didn't know that, wow. but that makes me so happy. <laughs> but um, I, I, I love just the story. You were, you were mentioning that he did animation for Genie of Aladdin. That was actually how he convinced Robin Williams to be a part of the project, where he basically animated the Genie character um, voicing uh, Robin, one of Robin Williams' stand-up uh, stand bits, and that's how he convinced yeah. Robin Williams to be a part of that project, and I love that anecdote. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, when, when, when you got... Yeah. No, go ahead, Drew. Oh, I was just saying, like, he's he's a he's one of those genuinely skilled people. If you've ever had the pleasure of working with some of the, I don't want to say old guard, but, you know, some of the really storied and really experienced actors or artists or directors or anybody you've had the privilege of working with like that, they carry a, a level of seniority and care with them. Everything that I've seen Eric Goldberg work on, and Devin's anecdote is perfect, you know, being able to animate the genie to such a degree that Robin Williams was convinced to join Aladdin. Like, it's just, this is what you have to work with. And uh, having met him, like, once in person, uh, I thought Eric Goldberg's a, a brilliant guy. Um, and I think that level of care and love and fun very much directly translates to this movie. Yeah, yeah, and it's easily the best animated out of the free films we're talking about tonight. Like, it's it's not perfect. Like, there are some live-action elements that stand out and some actors that are just kind of standing around going, like, all right, what, what am I doing here? <laughs> What's my cue? What am I supposed to look at? But for the most part, it's, like, very inspired at the very least. Like, they put in – they kind of do the Who Friend Roger Rabbit trick where they use, like, enough live-action elements in the scene – to get mm. like to make the animated characters feel more believable and stuff, just Space Jam, where it's like, well, put just we'll just put Michael Jordan on a green screen and call the day. You know, that's it. That's all we need to do. Yeah, but you, here you, it's you like, no, tell... we're gonna break real yeah. windows. We're gonna hand over like real props. Like we're gonna put a bit more effort into it, so it holds up better in that regard. 
Yeah, we, I mean, we got to give uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit a lot of credit for kind of pioneering a lot of oh, that yeah. stuff and yeah. and really pushing those effects forward. Because, I mean, we'll talk about Space Jam later, but if you watch these in chronological order, there are some really rough composites in the original Space Jam. And you can tell that they really learned their lessons by the time they got around to this movie, that the, the animation really feels like it lives in the scene. Like, they did an excellent job matching the two, which is a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. And you can tell, like, the actors had more fun, too. Like, that was my biggest thing about Space Jam. It's like, I love you, Michael, but holy shit, you can't act. And it kind of takes away the fun of a story like this. If you have actors who don't act in reasonable ways to the weird shit that's happening to them, I think Brendan Fraser, like, he's not a masterful actor, but, like, he has the charisma. Mm -hmm. He does have, like, a fun, you know, chemistry with Daffy Duck and, like, him and... I forget the actress's name. Terry Elf? Ben, uh, uh, Jenna Elfman. Uh, Jenna Elfman, Elfman, who uh, who uh, is related uh, by marriage to Danny Elfman, yeah. the composer. Like they're wow. completely self-aware of what's going on, and they're constantly like questioning why things are happening. Like, why are you just walking think... in the desert? It just feels right. It... But why? Yeah, I, I, think, I don't know. <laughs> I think every actor, every actor in this movie definitely knows what movie they're in, mm-hmm. and they 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 definitely like, especially Steve Martin. Like, I don't know what you guys think of that performance. Oh, it's it's very over the top, but it fits. And he doesn't outstay his welcome. And I think he he, absolutely fits that that character. Like, you can tell that he's watched Looney Tunes growing up, and he just embodies that absolute over-the-top zaniness. And, again, yeah, I think these actors are a little more aware of the film they're in, a lot more aware than uh, Michael Jordan was in Space Jam. Like, those actors, you could tell they didn't know what they were looking at and what was going to be there. Where Brandon Fraser doesn't know what he's looking at, but he believes he does, and you can tell. Yeah, exactly. And let's talk about the real weird reason why Steve Martin is in this movie. (laughs) So, apparently, the only reason he agreed to be in the movie uh he had the deal and then the alien scene in las vegas area 52 which is awesome but we'll get into that later (laughs) one of the monsters had to be an exterminator from doctor who that was a specific request that steve martin made and they wanted him so badly in the movie that they agreed to it and spent a lot of money getting the doctor who rights and that's why wow. Steve I mean, Martin is sense, in the movie. Right? Yeah. It makes like, sense, and it kind aliens... of fits, because all of them were like references to other alien movies. There's a yeah, invasion yeah. of the Body Snatchers guy, and the black and white guy with the giant leaf. <laughs> I didn't understand that reference until I watched it as an adult, so it fits. Like it's all, They're all just like dumb references to other monster movies anyways, so it's like, oh, a Doctor Who oh. character doesn't stand out he... that much. I, I really love all the little movie references that are in this film, which mm-hmm. is quite a contrast to other films that attempt to do the same thing. But for some reason, they felt really refreshing here. And, you know, yeah. again, it's just Warner Brothers making fun of itself. But there's that whole, like, psycho sh- uh, shower scene. Yeah. And you see him. not anymore. Damn, that was a good impression. That's a good voice. Yeah. But it's yeah, like, I was, I was just reading this in the. In the spoof of the psycho shower scene, uh, Bugs pours a great can of black Hershey's chocolate syrup, um, which is, you know, basically they, what they use in the yeah. movie. But um, <laughs> it's also a reference to the fact that Hitchcock used Bosco's cho- chocolate syrup in the original scene, um, and Bosco was the first ever Looney Tunes character. Oh. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. See, it's this movie is genius, jo- guys. No exception. What I wanted to say is that um, I very much appreciated this movie much more as an adult than I did as a kid. There's so actually. many jokes you kind um, of understand as you get older. Like there's so... and, and you guys as well. I, I gotta mention my all-time favorite scene in this movie is like 
I'm a sucker for highbrow art humor. And so when they're running <laughs> through an yes, art museum, that's the best changing scene. animation styles as they jump from painting to painting, melting through Salvador Dali, or um, you know, being blown away as dots in a pointillist painting, or frig, man, even like Edvard Monk's The Scream is not a happy painting, but they just get a joke out of it because it's highbrow art humor. Yeah, sort of I, I as like he, he make, turns the gun into a bow and <laughs> he tries to fire his bow. Yeah. Like, it's so creative. I, I, I love that whole scene. Yeah. That was incredible. I love that they changed the uh, things. And I love the line where he says, you know, I think you should learn stuff when you're watching a movie. And then it cuts <laughs> to Daffy, like, tr connecting the dots, like, not learning anything. Like, it is pretty creative. Oh, man. That that, that that whole Salvador Dali sequence was great. Just yeah. the fact that they're all melting. It's like, this is straight up nightmare fuel, and I love it. Yeah, speaking oh, of that brilliant. sequence, can we also point out how much I appreciate that they didn't kidnap the girl for no reason? They just took what they needed and left. A Looney Tunes mm, movie yeah. has a smarter bad guy than a lot of bad guys See, in movies. Did you guys actually... Did you guys end up watching any of the deleted scenes out of curiosity? No, I did Ooh, not. No. Tell us I about feel them. like I feel like Jenna Elfman is out of all the performances got robbed like all of her best scenes are in the deleted scenes like oh, i just really? it doesn't yeah like what? like um and a lot more like referential humor or like making fun of the fact that like she's the love interest like they do a little bit in the movie where it's just like yeah. oh yeah like if this was a movie, movie we'd you and i would hook up together <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like there's a great deleted scene at the end you know how at the end when she's talking to uh, the dad and she's like i'm a big fan of your son yeah like the joke that they, the joke they actually really originally went was brendan frazier's like oh dad this is kate we have nothing in common we argue all the time uh we haven't kissed yet and then she's just like i think he's the one <laughs> god like... that would have been so good why did they cut that out that's such a good joke like, damn that's can we Man. all right let's talk about the best joke of the movie Sponsored by Walmart. <laughs> it's oh, just Walmart, Walmart shows up oh out of fucking nowhere. And then they uh, go in to, and they come out and they're like, oh, thanks to saying Walmart so many times, we got free stuff from Walmart. And the pacing is so is good. Like, every joke is like, all right, uh, we did that. Okay, moving on. <laughs> you don't get to linger on it. <laughs> it's so good. so good. Again, so creative and so fun. And and again, one like, of the movies we talk about later of... just became everything this movie was making fun of. Exactly. That's just what I was gonna get at. It was just like it like at least this film, when it's like, oh, we gotta sell out a little bit, it's like we're gonna make fun of the fact that we're selling out or like we're sponsoring, whereas like I think that's missing from the other two movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it doesn't. They, they, yeah. they, they make a little eye roller kind of joke, but they, then they continue to do the thing anyway. Where this one really lets you know, hey, we're we're selling out and we're doing this stuff, and it just and makes fun of itself uh, even more yeah. so for doing that, exactly. which I appreciate. I think, yeah, I think there's a there's a delicate balance between you know just hanging a lampshade on something and saying, no, yeah, whatever, it's funny, haha, versus actually leaning into and making a proper punchline mm -hmm. joke out of you know, taking a corporate sponsorship. And I, again, the Walmart scene, yeah, it's as blatant as it gets, but it made me laugh. Oh, it was the hardest I laughed in the movie, for sure. That, the <laughs> punching Brendan Fraser in the face. <laughs> like, that was just, I just wish more celebrities would be willing to take the piss out of themselves like that. Like, it's, it's just so 
entertaining to see. And yeah, there's so many jokes like that in the movie. There's also a lot of jokes that could not get made in this day and age, unfortunately. Like there's, we talk about the whole political correctness joke and it, the singer who's basically a slut, like she's so sexualized that it's, it, it fits, but it's kind of ridiculous. And that's kind of what they're making fun of too, though. It's like all the like hot bong girls and their <laughs> skin tight outfits that they just happen to have lying around and there's a joke well, i want to talk uh... about with steve martin and he's kind of uh creeping over this one girl marjorie i think her name is and he's like uh, how'd you like a kiss and she's like Ugh. it's like that's what they all say at first i'm just like did you make a harvey weinstein <laughs> joke in oh, your kiss movie? <laughs> is that not what they were intending <laughs> like i don't know what they were going with that but if what it was, the, uh, wow. <laughs> what about the joke when um, they're in Paris and he's just like, sir, sir. And he pulls over like Pepe Le Pew and he's like, there's a man. He's got that woman and she's in a bag. And he's, his response is just, ah, it is spring, is it not? <laughs> yeah, like... I love Cindy here. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about Pepe Le Pew and Space Jam and New Legacy. but <laughs> No, honestly, like there's, you see, what I love so much about, you know, some of this style of humor is that there is um you know a, a very good i think this movie actually does handle its adult humor very well i think that there's a balance between mm -hmm. the humor that i enjoyed as you know watching this movie all the way back in 2003 um and there's some humor that i definitely did not appreciate at all until i watched it mm -hmm. again this year yeah it's the shrek effect it's part of what makes it age so well is that you've got the childish humor mm -hmm. but there's also just like those subtle adult jokes that I didn't understand as a kid, but what makes it work is that it's subtle. Like, a lot this of the adult jokes in this, there's so many jokes, I'm like, wow, that was surprisingly creative and <laughs> inventive. <laughs> like, uh, did you see me in those mummy movies? <laughs> it's like, how would I understand that as a kid? But it was still funny <laughs> to see. Yeah, it's like, no, the Brentmaster's got to do his own stunts, especially after my mother was like, yeah, Brendan Fraser actually did that. He actually kicked out his own stuntman so he could do his own stunts in The Mummy. <laughs> then he wasn't very good, and they had to bring the stuntman back. <laughs> um, I want to mention something, though, and that is that at only 93 minutes long, I feel like this movie has so... This movie has so much more happening in it than I would argue to be very insulting about it. More happens in 93 minutes in this movie than both Space Jams combined. I... 100% agree. I 100% agree. I, I, I agree 100%. This movie's so like jam-packed wall-to-wall with jokes and references and it's, yeah. it's a good time. <laughs> it is. Like it's far from a perfect movie. Like I think anytime they use CGI it looks terrible. Like the CGI dog and the CGI satellite at the end look particularly dreadful. I thought Daffy Duck I usually but, find I, funny but I found him kind of annoying in this movie. Just the irony of Daffy Duck not working with Bugs Bunny <laughs> does kind of come true like, in this movie. Doesn't the CGI kind of... It's like, it doesn't bother me that much because it's like a cartoony CGI. I don't know. It, it still kind of bothered me a little bit because, like, it'll never be as oh, yeah. good as a cartoon, you know? I mean, well, it, it's very it's very 2000s, like, CGI, but again, it's cartoony, so, like, the, the limitations do lean into the style. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Devin on this one, and I think that uh, the CG, all the CG works best when it doesn't try and be what it's not. When they need characters holding real props, um, uh, off the top, top of my head, um, Wiley e. Coyote answering a cell phone, or a phone attached to a Yeah, cactus. or Daffy Duck holding the monkey, the blue holding monkey. Holding the monkey, yeah. um... 
you know, these are these are real objects, and you know, they they look flawless because they're real. When the CG tries to look like what it's not, which is real, that's when things get pretty rough for me. Yeah, Uncanny we will Valley. We'll get into yeah, that later. For sure. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't pull me out that much. It's just kind of noticeable because I'm a fan of the hand-drawn stuff so much. I guess that is a little hard to pull away from. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's stuff like that. There's some obvious live-action elements, you know, some of the acting. Uh, Linda Elfman has a maritain line. Sorry, I think I got her name wrong again. I'm sorry. She's a very nice uh, lady. Jenna Elfman. Jenna Elfman. Yeah. She has some funny lines, but she really can't act. Uh, <laughs> she's probably the worst actor out of the cast, in my opinion. They compared to Brendan Fraser and Martin, yeah, Steve Martin especially, who are just completely hamming it up. Like, she, she does kind of stick out like a sore thumb. She does kind of feel like that actress in a live-action cartoon that doesn't know what they're doing. But, um, yeah, I also want to say the reviews for this film are depressingly low. Like, it only has, like, a 64 on Metacritic. The Letterboxd was really low, too. I mean, uh, should we even mention the box office versus its budget? Oh, Ooh, yeah. yeah. What uh, the fuck movie, happened there? <laughs> this movie lost over $12 million, and I don't know how that happened. Oh, I'll tell you how that was... happened. It oh. released the same week as Lord of the Rings, Return of the oh. King, and uh, which Pixar film came out in 2013? I think it's in... Sorry, Nemo. 2003. Yeah, Finding Nemo. Same week. Oh. Like, it just did stand... Oh, yeah, 2.9 on Letterboxd. The fuck, guys? <laughs> what is what this shit? The movie is better than that, and you know it. Sorry, just wanted to say uh, it real quick. I think the Tuesdays with Moray are going to be. Uh, we're going to have some pretty hot takes this episode. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. You guys are cowards. Uh, this film is Kino. You guys don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but you know, Letterbox also gave Crashing Through the Snow a three point four. So we don't always agree. A home Christmas Hallmark movie. Got a higher rating than Looney Tunes back in action. I, I just want to let no this sink in. There really is not any justice in this world. And yeah, mm -hmm. like it made no money. It didn't wasn't all that successful. I think Joe Dante basically admitted he wanted to make a different movie, but I don't know. Like I think it holds up surprisingly well. Like there's some dated well, effects, and the movie's dumb as fuck, but it knows it's dumb. It just completely revels in its stupidity in a way that, like I said, isn't obnoxious. Here's the thing with the the Joe Dante situation. He came to the studios and he wanted to do a biographical period piece about the animators who made Looney Tunes. Mm -hmm. Like that was kind of his that, his yeah. pitch. And Warner Brothers, he basically went to Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers was like, "Yeah, it's a good idea." And you know, Steven Spielberg really likes likes this movie and has vouched for you, but we just want to do Space Jam too. So he was just like all right, like my buddy Chuck Jones died and he wasn't a big fan of the first Space Jam. So like, I guess I'll just do this movie. And like, in that way, I'll kind of keep the spirit of the characters intact and, and uh, do it as like a tribute, I guess, to him. Do, do Space Jam the way Chuck Jones wanted it to do. Well. <laughs> yeah, um, and here's the thing. Stay. like He outright said like he made this movie to be anti-Space Jam because he hated yeah. how the characters were portrayed in the Space Jam movies. And he's like, no, this is the right way the characters should be portrayed. And that probably explains why it's such a cynical look at Warner Brothers and like the studio oh, heads are like awesome. such illogical assholes. Like It's like, you're fired for firing our best duck, but it was your decision to fired the duck in the first 
place. Okay, that, that was kind of weird. It's uh, definitely not a coincidence that every yeah. studio executive in this movie is a moron. Oh, like. yeah, and, and Acme <laughs> kind of being like their own corrupt organization that tries to exploit its citizens being the bad guys of the movies. Like, <laughs> there's definitely some parallels there. Yeah, you can make an argument that this film is very anti-capitalist. Yeah, it's a better <laughs> anti-capitalist, anti-sequel movie than Matrix Resurrections. More <laughs> on that next we week. Will, <laughs> we will we will get into stuff. I want to say though, in particular, Boy. you know, having watched all of you know both other movies tonight, both Space Jams, I I have to agree. This movie, each of these characters is written exactly the way I remember them from watching the actual like Chuck Jones era versions of themselves. When Daffy becomes Duck Dodgers, he's so genuinely. Duck Dodgers and just ex everything he touches explodes and goes wrong. And, and he says his exactly name because his is. name is I copyrated. He explodes. <laughs> What's that? I, a joke I, love, that? <laughs> I love everything about Duck Dodgers in this movie. It's just he's just so genuinely daffy. It's delightful. Oh, yeah. Did you uh, did you ever watch the Duck Dodgers TV show? Yes, I did. Oh, I love that show. Yeah, <laughs> I had a lot of fun with that. That one. was, but there was some weird like Looney Tunes shows in the late '90s and early 2000s, and I feel like that's kind of reflective of back in action as well. Like this was kind of a lull purely period for Looney Tunes. Like the cartoons they were trying out weren't really successful, and there were some really dumb ideas they were throwing out the window. Anyhow, the movie is kind of about Looney Tunes characters trying to reclaim their fame and desperately trying to figure out a way to make Looney Tunes fresh and interesting again. Uh, we uh, one day we'll um, discuss that concept, shall we? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, uh, what <laughs> you guys rate back in action out of ten? Oh, I think man. of the three, I think this is probably the most faithful to the whole Looney Tunes like echelon, and like you know, and this was Joe Dante trying to, uh, I, I guess, um, do right by Chuck Jones, who was one of the original. I believe animators, and I think they uh, he he did a tri terrific job uh, considering what they had, and I think yeah, the three films is probably the best of them. Uh, I'll give it a seven point five. Nice, uh, easy six point nine out of ten. Nice, very easy. What about you? Very nice. What about you two? Uh, I'm gonna echo Devin. I think I had. Of all three films, I laughed the most. I was genuinely engaged. I didn't need to leave midway through and get some more beer. Um, this one is absolutely a 7.5 out of 10 for me. I had a good time with it, and I think it needs more love. Agree. Yeah, I think uh, I think out of all the films, this one has the most respect for Looney Tunes, and like all the pieces were there. It just didn't gel as well as it could have, probably due to studio interference. But um, I think I'd give it probably uh, a, a solid seven. Nice. Yeah. Uh, underrated Kino. Uh, <laughs> I might actually buy this one on Blu-ray. Like, I actually enjoyed watching it again that much. All right. Everybody get up and slam down. <laughs> I forget the rest. Oh. Here is... Where is the text? God damn it. It was going to be so smooth. Here's Space That's Jam. Okay. Uh, Don't worry, Ian. You just gotta get a Big Mac. That's all you need. That's true. All right, Devin. Get grab a Big Mac and some fries and introduce Space Jam. All right, all right, all right. Slam and add it to the jam. Something like that. Man, I forgot how much the soundtrack of this thing slaps. Oh yeah. Like it this, saves the movie. I mean, 
I, I think Back in Action is 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 the is one of the better movies of tonight. But this has the best intro, I think, in terms of just the opening credits. Those like stroboscopic, mm-hmm. kind of flashy, um, very '90s kind of opening credits, and it makes me wonder how many kids got epileptic fits in theaters watching it. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a lot. It's it's really it's <laughs> it's a lot, man. So Space Jam. Uh, it's really hard to introduce this one, but this was uh, Looney Tunes trying to make it big and make it cinematic, um, trying not to uh, do the Pluto Nash thing. I don't know if Pluto Nash happened before or after this, but it feels like of that era for some reason. Also, hi, Daryl. Uh, you're listening in now. Yeah, uh, hi, Daryl. I just wanted to acknowledge that. Uh, you're yeah, welcome to. Up, uh, yeah, you're, you're welcome to add some comments in later. But uh, yeah, this is. Uh, the, the first cash grab, I mean, a cinematic adventure of, of Looney Tunes <laughs> trying to appeal to, uh, to to the modern youth crowd uh, via basketball. And uh, bringing on uh, Michael Jordan, who is the biggest basketballer of, of all time uh, in the 90s. Um, and the first 12 minutes of this film is all about him. It's all about him growing up as a, as a young kid, uh, shooting hoops and being too noisy for his dad. But there's a nice, you know, bonding moment between them, which is very sweet. And man, go, going back through this was such a fever dream. I I kept freeze framing certain shots. I finally picked up the DVD that was in the five dollar uh, bin, uh, loony bin at Walmart. Um, of course. Shout out to Walmart again. But yeah. uh, I, it's, it's, one of, it's one of those movies I always see there, uh, just in the five dollar discount bin. And I decided to pick it up because it felt like the right format to enjoy it. And uh, yeah. Well, you know it what? Sure so is I, a space um, jam. You, you mentioned a comment, but honest to goodness, summarizing this movie actually does like sound like an absolute fever dream. Imagine, I want to know what the elevator pitch for this was. You yeah. sit down with some executives and you say, all right, so Michael Jordan exists. Meanwhile, on, a, on an amusement park planet beyond the moon called Moron Mountain, a gremlin... Moron Mountain. A gremlin voiced by Danny DeVito himself, God bless him, uh, says, we need more attractions... Get me the first thing I see on TV. The Looney Tunes. Get them. And they say, but they live on Earth. So the aliens go to Earth. But the aliens are short, and the Looney Tunes don't want to go to Moron Mountain. So they say, fine, we challenge you to basketball because you're short. And But then the aliens steal NBA players' talent and grow tall. So they say, oh no, we need Michael Jordan. And then they play basketball. I haven't seen this movie in probably two decades, and holy crap, I did not remember anything about this movie until I saw it. I forgot Bill Murray was in this. I forgot, <laughs> I forgot all of the plot except for basketball. Um, I I didn't remember basically anything, and it doesn't help the fact that it takes a full, and I paused the movie to check the time code, it takes a full 31 minutes and 20 seconds until Michael Jordan and the Toons even meet each other in person for the first time. Wow. One third of this And the first... Devin wasn't exaggerating, by the way. The first 12 entire actual minutes of this movie are just Michael Jordan. It's 12 minutes in until we even see them acknowledge the existence of Looney Tunes. Yep. And it's really boring, too. Like, all of his scenes (laughs) are just, like... Ooh, what a they, jab. They're so <laughs> a little dry. Bit. But they're kind of funny in the sense that 
Like, I mentioned, like, celebrities poking fun of themselves earlier, and, yeah, there's scenes where they gloat. There's scenes of the Looney Tunes going, like, wow, he's so good. He's so good at basketball. But I, I did kind of appreciate, like, them making fun of Michael Jordan's baseball career. And the kid who's named after his real son tells him he sucks, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> Just the irony of his technical son telling him he sucks. And it's like, from that perspective, I kind of enjoyed it. But, wow. yeah, otherwise, I agree. Like, that's so, especially as a kid. Like, you're watching this, you'd be like, I don't know who Michael Jordan is. I don't care about baseball or sports. I want to see Looney Tunes. You know, it's... <laughs> baseball? <laughs> But yeah, and, and back in exactly. action, it opens up with the Looney Tunes. It's like, okay, we know what you want. We're going to delve right into it. Yeah, but here it's like, is this... Yeah, I kind of thought the same way. Like, I had no idea if I even watched the same movie because it felt like something completely different besides the soundtrack that slaps, which we got to talk about other songs in the soundtrack, like the Space Jam theme, Fly Like an Ego, Michael Jordan's theme. I believe, I believe I can, I can fly. fly. This was the highest selling album of the nineties. The highest selling it, album of the nineties. That's insane. I, it, I, it, it doesn't. You know that makes sense to me because all these songs are fucking bangers. Yeah, I <laughs> agree. Like the soundtrack carries the movie for sure because, man, it does not hold up too well overall. Unfortunately, like oh wasn't as God. funny it, it, as it, it used to be. I, it wasn't as interesting or entertaining. It, and this, a lot of it was kind of boring. I, I was having a blast with it. I don't know about you guys. But... Oh, <laughs> hot you. topic. I, I, mean, I don't know. It, 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 probably just because it was like 2 a.m. by the time I finally came around to watch it. But I like, I, I, I was just having a lot of like layers of ironic fun with it um, <laughs> and, and actual fun, too. Like, I, I just found the absurdity of it really entertaining as like an adult rewatching this. Mm-hmm. It's one of those. It's one of those things. I mentioned this to Tad earlier. He was asking, "Are there any movies that you loved as a kid but uh, hate as an adult, or found out kind of sucks later?" And I said, "You know, for me, uh, one of them, one of the movies that I unironically loved as a kid was Batman and Robin, but now I completely ironically love as an adult." <laughs> exactly. For, for, I, it's it's like I'm still hanging on to my enjoyment of it, but my reasons, my my set of reasons yeah. have completely changed. It... I love it because it's <laughs> terrible and absurd, and I think this might probably it probably falls into that same category yeah it's like a guilty pleasure category i i get that and... oh not even guilty i fucking love it yeah drew <laughs> because <laughs> it's terrible i have to say hot topic drew i actually think the live action segments were more funny and interesting than the tune segments because when it got to the tune segments i just really Ooh. checked out it got so repetitive it wasn't anywhere near as funny or witty as like back in action or the actual cartoons, a lot of it was just caca poo poo pee pee humor. There's a lot of butts because butts are hilarious. But in the in the human sequences, the humor oh, is a bit does. more creative. Like Bill Murray with his dumb hat speaking to actual basketball players <laughs> about either or not he can play basketball. It's like, is that no, good? Is it that. because I'm white? Bill, like, Bill, that's Bill hilarious. Murray steals the show whenever he's on screen. Yeah, exactly. He, he admits he's friends with the producer. I'm just like, that's great. Like, that's terrific. Like, I love no, stuff I, like that, but when it gets to the tunes, it's just so much less interesting to me. Well, the worst part is, Ian, I have to agree with you. Uh, I can even sort of get an ironic laugh out of the fact that Michael Jordan is not a trained actor. He's an athlete, and he his performance is, oh, he sucks. in some cases, hilariously deadpan. Oh, yeah. But... Guys, what's going on here? <laughs> just what, a like... reaction to get right into the fucking tune Underworld. And he's so, just like, treats it like it's Nerd at the he Office. Has, you can tell he has no idea what he's looking at. No, he, he has, really has no coordination. No clue what he's doing. It, which is 
Yeah. Which makes it better in, in, in a weird way. A little bit, yeah. It did have some chuckles at his performance. Like, when he's giving the inspirational speech and he couldn't be any less charismatic. <laughs> no, it's, it's absolutely hilarious to me. And so the problem that I have a lot with the, um, with the animation is that though the animation is very, very technically competent, and I, I want to give an enormous amount of credit to a, a mostly analog production here. There's a lot of Roger Rabbit levels of work trying to be done, the fact of the matter is, the characters don't really get a chance to actually shine as characters. And one of the reasons I wanted to start with Looney Tunes back in yeah. action is because the characters have their own personalities so prevalent and at the forefront of their acting. But here, I often felt the characters were just shunting between scenes, casually standing around or in the background. Yeah, they have no really idea what making... they're doing. Yeah, you know, like they, they're they, very interchangeable. Again, Mm -hmm. Yeah, every now and again they it, say a catchphrase. I wrote out a note here that's like, how many times does Sylvester say suffering succotash and then disappear from the film until he says it again? Yeah, so many characters were like that, and it, it, it was very clear that they just animated a bunch of stuff and added it in willy-nilly. Like, it wasn't like a consistency to the plot line. Like, the scene I mentioned earlier of the all the Louis Tunes characters oogling over Michael Jordan, that just feels like B-footage. That just felt like a bunch of footage they scrapped together. It didn't feel like that was an organic part of the scene. It was just like, all right, we have some B footage of Looney Tunes characters going like, wow, look at them going. We'll just shove it in at random. And so much mm. of the animated footage does <laughs> kind of feel like that. And that's all, that's basically all the basketball games are. And that's why they're so boring to me. Those were the most boring parts of the movie, you know ironically. What's... You know what's also kind of funny? The premise in of itself is kind of a betrayal to the looney tunes in general because like if you think about it bugs bunny himself could probably totally outsmart these nerd yeah nerdy alien things and he's like, such an asshole do in this. Loony. like he's such an like, asshole in this where that's not the point of his character what makes him so funny is that he's like the one passive neutral guy <laughs> in an environment of assholes yeah. and well, he only I, attacks them when they piss him off would, and he would normally outsmart the stuff and that was kind of yeah. You know, I, I think when you watch this kid, there's some conflicting feelings because the characters don't quite feel right, or you know, there, there, there are certain things that happen that mm -hmm. would normally Once happen again, in like the they show. Have a, they they clearly had a checklist. It's like, okay, well, we have to have this story be about basketball because Michael Jordan's in it, and he was in the commercials that this movie is based off. Of. Yeah, what else is popular like, with kids? Looney Tunes, good. Smash it together. Done exactly and it's just like i don't know like maybe i'm just getting old and uh Better, yeah. more cynical <laughs> and like i don't know when i watch this all i can think of about is like a studio executive being like whoa 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 wait a minute guys if we make a movie based on commercials <laughs> then we can make commercials based on the movie that's based on the commercials like it's genius yeah we like, can make so much more money that's exactly it it's like, like these this movie was based off of a bunch of really successful commercials that they made yeah it, it does definitely have that feel to it and but you know there was some like clever jokes here and there but again they were all in the live action segments ironically like my favorite bit of the movie by far was all the basketball players, the actual basketball players, pretending yes. not to know how to play basketball. And then they go to their <laughs> doctor and he's like, uh, again, this is another movie that could not get made today. He jokes about like not being able to perform 
properly and the guy's like no <laughs> what are you talking about like that was hilarious I, I, the whole time I'm just thinking why couldn't the rest of the film be this creative and funny like this is hysterical yeah, just about that scene you could completely cut it and lose nothing yeah that's true but i'm so happy it's there like it's i, I am as well. <laughs> like i absolutely loved the scene where they all go to like a seance fortune teller and she and tells, she, them, tells them the plot exactly and they're like what <laughs> Like, that's and then they stupid. just get up and leave. Yeah, that's if the film had more self awareness like that, and you know, Daffy Duck kissing his own ass with the Warner Bros. symbol on it, I would have enjoyed the film a lot more. You know, I'm I'm telling you, like for me, this this film really was very like I have a few notes here, and for me, this film is paper thin. Um, so when I finished watching this, because again, I haven't seen this movie in years. When I finished watching this, I immediately followed this up with Space Jam, A New Legacy. And I remember leaving Space Jam 1996 thinking, holy cow, like, this movie was desperately stretching for only 88 minutes of runtime, including its end credits. Like, this movie shows up, faffs around for a while, and leaves And it fast. ends. Yeah, like, there's no, like, proper... There's no, like, three-act structure yeah. or anything like that. You know, it, what made Back in Action work was, like, all of the different settings. Like, yeah, it's another globe-trying movie, but it kind of worked with the pacing where it's like, all right, here's mm. this silly thing here, but let's move on to something else. But here it's just like, all right, they get together for basketball, and they play basketball for half a fucking hour. <laughs> and, and that's no, just the rest of the movie. It's just the rest of the movie's it, basketball. There's no variety to it at that point. It's funny you mentioned Globetrotters because there was one scene, I forget which one, that reminded me of uh, the Futurama episode where they collaborate with the Globetrotters. And I, I don't know if that was a, a take on, <laughs> if that was a joke off of this, but yeah. yeah. That one surprised me. Uh, and um, yeah, like I was saying earlier, is that you, you can tell that some of these things were really slapped together. They had some very rough composites. Like anytime they had Michael Jordan as himself in the animated world, mm. uh, you could tell it's just him on a green screen and they're very. Yeah. trying their best to really roughly track him in to make him look like he belongs in the scene, but more often than not, it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, oh, and of course, it's so it's so unfortunate to have, so, like, they clearly didn't know how to direct him to look into thin air to pretend like he's looking at Bugs Bunny. He's just and staring directly into the camera half the time. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't know if they had the tennis ball on the end of a light stand trick uh, developed then, I uh, think they did. They, they had that for I, Jurassic I, I don't Park imagine or something along it, those lines. Yeah, they did, and that's normally meant to give your actor like an eye line, like, "Hey, you're gonna look at this fictional creature in the yeah. eyes. Here's where his eyeball's supposed to be." So that gives you some guidance, even though you're just looking at a tennis ball on a stick. But you know, just like that normally work. I just don't know if they if they even use that or not. I I was really fascinated by this. So the, the director of this is named uh, Joe uh, Pitka, P Y T K A. And apparently he only did some like music videos before this. He directed like one Michael Jackson music video uh, before this, but he hasn't done a lot of like feature films. This is like one of his first major feature uh, fiction films that he did. Um, and if you if you look him up on Wikipedia, there's a picture of him riding a dirt bike. So so there's that. And the guy's like 83. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently he's and, like a major dickhead behind the scenes. Like he just yell oh, at actors I, and yell at Michael I Jordan bet. and begging the studio to change him because he sucks, which he does. But guess what? 
when an actor's bad, you get them to act and stuff just yelling. It, when Stanley Kubrick torments his actors, it, it's for a good reason at the very least. Like, he clearly wants to get a good performance out of them. I don't know you agree if his methods are relevant. Like, he does have a good goal in mind, but Joe Petka just screams to me like, okay, you're just mad at yourself and you're just trying to it out on other people mm-hmm. for a Looney um, Tunes movie. <laughs> I think... Should we talk about the rabbit in the room and uh, Lola Bunny? Lola Bunny, yeah, yeah. Like, the rabbit in the hole. Yeah. Oh, I I don't know. Uh, that like, did not know. age well. I, I don't know. Well, I I remember the controversy about the second one that they made her more flat chested. I don't I didn't see any real difference between her. I think it's just the cultural subconscious that it's exaggerated those features, specifically like Rule Thirty Four that made that kind of major difference uh yeah. i didn't think it was that bad as terrible as the sounds like it wasn't as sexualized as i was expecting it's sexualized but and that's why she's in the movie but at the oh, same yeah. time there, i'd there, argue there, there, she's there also certain... like the only person who can play basketball like she's you know much more capable of playing basketball than the other men on the team so you could interpret it that way no but it didn't bother me personally that much there's something that fascinated me, and that was that I actually, you know, I remember this is this is Lola Bunny's first appearance in anything. They made her for this movie, but I forgot just how little of the film she's really in. Like, yeah. I swear, she's only in the latter, yeah, what, half hour of this movie? Yeah, she's the most? next Machina. She's just like, she, alright, we need another basketball player. There she, you go. she has maybe like she five, ten minutes of screen time total. If, yeah, if, just if, like if, in the sequel. She's, she's barely oh, yeah. in it at all. But the the shots is she's in. You can tell they knew what they were doing. Oh um, yeah, it, and people wonder no. why furries exist in this day and age. <laughs> yeah, that was the that that's, was the thing that kickstarted it. Yeah, oh, all know the it. Lion King too. <laughs> Come on, a little bit of scar. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> oh man, yeah. when Sim when Nala looks at Simba, everybody knows what that face. That's right. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, for me, I thought I had a lot of fun with the actual character animation itself in this movie. Yeah, like, again, it looks good there's... on its own, but when it combines with other elements, like the live action, the CGI, the CGI is even worse in this movie. Like, the White Knight blowing up oh. was not an image I needed to oh, see, God. but they put well, it in the movie this... anyways. And it's also, in the credits! That image is in the credits! <laughs> there's, there's, there's Wayne Knight blowing up, and you can tell they're really proud of it in the credits. But also, there was the first shot where um Michael Jordan gets crunched up into a basketball, oh, God. and yeah. you see his face looking like it's, the screen. It, it doesn't, and it, 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 it's straight nightmare fuel. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> lifting from their hands, like they don't even properly grab it. Like it's so. I know it's the '90s, but come on. <laughs> Firmly grasp it in your hand. Who framed Roger Rabbit came out. At least ten years before Space Jam. <laughs> Come on. Oh man, I I, I I had some choice screenshots. I'm just gonna put them in the server. Just uh, just right. keep just keep going. But oh, enjoy yeah, them at your let's enjoy them at your leisure. Wanna, yeah. I actually, if you guys, oh god, yeah, there's a screenshot. Um, I actually want to ask you guys though. Um, <laughs> according now, this is only according to Wikipedia. Yep. So yeah, you know, like take this with a grain of salt. Ooh. But um, the box office budget for Space Jam of 1996. And Looney Tunes back in action from 2003 are apparently the same amount of money. They both had a budget of 80 million, but whereas Looney Tunes back in action lost them at least over 12 million dollars, 
Go. Do you guys remember how <laughs> much kind of money Space yeah. Jam made? Yeah, it made like over two hundred million dollars. I think it made two hundred and fifty million dollars. Insane. That could wow. buy like all the money they made on merchandise and all the money they made off of, uh, like the CDs. Like we talked about how much money the music made. That's insane. Like that's ridiculous. I I can't believe it did that well. It must have been. Must have been just Michael Jordan and people being big on basketball at the time. Well, and I'm telling you, like, that that is some, that is, uh, this actually, I want to bounce an idea off of you guys. I think that that's star power, and I think that that gives a, a negative, per, like, positive bias in a negative way. You know, the executives, I feel like the executives looked at this one and said, <laughs> oh, yeah, we slapped Michael Jordan in this, and we made $250 million dollars. On an eighty-eight, eighty-eight minute runtime. I mean, that is that is uh, genuinely yeah. crunched for time. A lot of fan-made films were around that time, at least you know in the eighties and seventies and all of that, because they couldn't afford so much animation. So it wasn't that the runtime isn't that weird. But yeah, like you said, it's just ridiculous amount of animation. Yeah. I'm seeing some of these pictures here, Devin posting. Uh, kind of one-sided, isn't it? That was a pretty funny joke uh i like that joke yeah that was good and dan castanella is in the movie uh he's in the scene with the aliens hiding in public yeah and by the yes, way they make a, they 100 percent make a jerk off joke in that scene 100 yes, percent. they, they make do. a jerk off joke oh god just, <laughs> it's just, like just, he's just, doing so, something just, funny in his pocket there <laughs> oh god yes they do and i, I recognize dan castellanetta just from his voice but also like, I was a huge fan of The Simpsons, so I looked into them. And, man, Dan, Dan Castellanetta, he did, like, literally, like, 100 voices on that show. And it's still insane. does to this day. It's, it's insane. Yeah, these are just some choice screenshots that I had from the movie that just caught my eye. I love I love uh, freeze frame technology. <laughs> no, it's, it's powerful are, like, stuff. Get Bugs Bunny grabbing yeah. Lola's ass. Yep, good stuff. Uh, well, no, that, that that's him trying to shove her out of the way before getting crushed, which I remember that being a very emotionally effective scene when I was younger, <laughs> like just, just sacrificing yourself, getting crushed. I don't know. It was a lot for me as a kid. Although well, when you see where he's putting his hands, I'm like, yeah, if, if you're if, if you're going to die, that's that's <laughs> that's a good way to go. Worth it. <laughs> Worth it. You know, lads, uh, I wonder if Bugs needlessly attempting to sacrifice himself and achieving nothing doing so will become a reoccurring theme. No! Oh, no! Why would you smile? Oh, no. no! Why would you say that? No. <laughs> I would... Oh, no. So, sorry, back on track, though. Uh, back in action. Um, I, I really did enjoy... No, Space Jam. No, it yeah. it has aged in many many ways. I still had fun with it. It gave me a yeah. few laughs, but I think that this this episode tonight is going in my descending order of of enjoyment. I really liked Back in Action. Space Jam was still fun, and I think that in particular, I agree. The music is really what holds up well in this movie for me, um, and a lot of the character acting is pretty decent but i think just when they let their actors do anything when bill murray shows up at the end of this friggin movie and goes da 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 that to me yes. that put the biggest oh, smile on my face yeah that's so that's, good that's that's the bow and uh, then he just <laughs> retires and my and canon is that this is canon this is canon for bill murray's attempt at basketball and that's yep. why it doesn't that's play great. anymore it, it's canon what would you guys Incredible. give space jam out of 10 I can't think of a more a rating more deserving than six point nine. It's just 
Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. kind of fine between a four and a half and a five. I'll give it a Ooh. five. But yeah, it, it's not a great movie by any means. It's very dated. A lot of it's boring. All, a lot of the acting is terrible. I didn't find it very funny out of the live action segments. But, you know, it does have great soundtrack, some great hand-drawn animation. And the jokes that were funny were pretty hilarious. But yeah, I, I don't think I'm watching this one anytime soon. Versus the Kino that's back in action. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably be a little bit more generous. I'm gonna give this a 6 out of 10 for me. The music is great. The actors, the actual actors are really good actors. Very competent animation all I'm around. sorry, Michael again, Jordan is a very good actor? Mm, he's not an actor. He's a sports... He's, <laughs> and he's White a Knight was player. terrible, too. I like. also, I also <laughs> like the fact that his family isn't actually played by his family. They're all different people. And they're still and terrible I, actors. I, 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 I just imagine Michael Jordan waking up in this movie saying, this isn't my beautiful house. <laughs> this, <laughs> this isn't, isn't my, my automobile. Life. <laughs> <laughs> the down by. Uh, so I'm going to give this movie a, a 6 out of 10. I had a good time with it, and I love that it's very clearly an unashamed uh, like product of its time i had fun with it i'd probably go watch something else though yeah uh, oh, what yeah. about you ted it... um i don't know i think this is very middle of the road like it's it's harmless but it's also like it definitely hasn't aged as well as i thought like this was this was a one of my childhood movies and looking back at it like it's okay, so I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say a very middle five. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. Just very middle of the road. Sometimes uh, how comfortable is that fence you're sitting on? Very, <laughs> very comfortable. And I'm sure. Well, that... At least I don't have to sit on this fence alone. All right, and we're gonna uh, be true. falling off that fence <laughs> soon enough, because next up, it's time. For a new legacy, yay! Watching oh, yeah. it for Let's, second time let because slam you again. guys hate me, I guess. Drew, do you want to introduce this pile of shit? Uh, I can't wait to do the sloppy seconds. Go on, Drew. Yeah. No, it'd be it'd be my pleasure. Um, I really wanted to talk about this one directly after Space Jam because I think there's so much fun stuff to compare and contrast against. You know, a movie that is over 20 years of difference between the two oh, of them. Oh, God. Um, well, I gotta say it. And so, uh, to be really harsh about it, I honestly think that Space Jam A New Legacy has arguably somehow a thinner plot even than its 1996 original. So, in Space Jam A New Legacy, LeBron James exists and is good at basketball. He has wait, 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 wait. Do, 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 do you mean LeBron James? I certainly do. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, just, I, I, I just had to correct, correct your pronunciation there. Go on. <laughs> and so LeBron James uh, <laughs> exists and plays basketball. Don Cheadle plays Al G. Rhythm, a somehow sentient computer algorithm who has an inferiority complex because no one knows he exists. He decides in a brilliant move that he will attempt to capture the most, I guess, popular sports star slash celebrity of their time and usurp his popularity to gain his own notoriety and fame in an otherwise uncredited algorithmic hell that he lives in. Um, 
That's... Speaking of uncredited hell, that's... Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, no, honestly, though, so uh, before I dive any further, and I guess I don't really have a good anecdote for this, but um, my, my own connection to this movie is uh, some of the 2D animation for this movie, and maybe even some of the 3D animation, was done in the nation of Canada, where, uh, where we record this podcast from. And at one point, uh, quite some time ago, but obviously before the film came out, uh, I actually got an email in my inbox from one of the con- companies that was contracted to work on this movie, and they tried to hire me to do visual effects animation for a very late cut of the movie. For a um, week. The details that the talent scouts gave me was very, very brief. It was simply, hey, Drew, do you want to do some, you know, clean up some loose ends before the movie comes out? Uh, and unfortunately, I had to turn down their offer because I, though that did sound like an exciting opportunity, I couldn't take such a short-term contract uh, in in light of the fact that at the time I still had like six months worth of final space to animate. And um, it seems like maybe that might have been for the best because one of my friends actually did work as a 2D effects artist on this movie. And uh, I hate to do this to him yet again, but I'm not going to go into, you know, name names and details, but uh, one of my buddies uh, actually was not credited in the end credits of this movie. And then when Warner Brothers put out an apologetic tweet uh, saying that they, here's a few more names of people they forgot, my buddy was forgotten a second time off of their tweet. Wow. Uh, so, oh, uh, so my friend Ryan's kids still don't believe that he worked on this movie. <laughs> Maybe How that's that for happen? the best. Um, it, it's, it's, it's Space Jam, a new expediency. Uh, well, what ends up happening, I suspect, I strongly suspect, is that this movie was big. If you watch the end credits of this movie, there are so many different companies that were subcontracted to and given some brief work for and getting this thing together. I suspect that if people were able to talk about the behind the scenes of this a lot more, like this movie, this movie has stuff going on in it. Um, I, I mean, for heaven's sake, like just the premise alone of, hey, there's... For some reason, there's a Mr. Smith, like an Agent Smith-style sentient algorithm trapped in the Warner Brothers computer servers that wants LeBron James to play basketball for him. And have you felt, audience members, that your eyes are glazing over at the thought of this concept? Um, I strongly suspect an enormous amount of this movie was just trying to make anything happen at all so it mm-hmm. this wasn't like a, a sausage party scenario where like animators worked on the movie and then like they were forced to like work ridiculous hours and it was like oh well no you're gonna work like 24 hours a day seven days a week and, and if you don't you're not getting paid and you're not getting credited it's not like one of those was it well, I don't actually have any insights on that directly because I was never let in behind the scenes of that. I did not work on the film personally. And my, you know, there's there's sort of that ongoing thing where animators are very careful about what they say about who because it can follow you around. 
from what I'm aware, though, and what I would expect from my own industry, I wouldn't be surprised at all if there was some late hours in the studio trying to get yeah. this thing done. And uh, would anybody like to talk? We had a lot of fun talking about Lola Bunny from 96. Who wants to talk about horrifying CG 3D animated Lola from this I, season? Just real quick. Oh, I want to mention real quick. I did hear from a source that explains the rush job of the hand-drawn animation and why so many people were contracted at the last minute. I didn't want to say anything because it might make you feel bad a bit, Drew. So... The source basically said all of the hand-drawn animated stuff was quite literally added in last minute. And it was added in last minute because of the angry response at all of the CGI in the first trailer. So the orig the op supposedly the opening sequence of them going through like the Tooniverse and getting all of the game back together in the hand-drawn animated style was not originally hand-drawn animation. Apparently, it was originally CGI animation, but the response was so bad that they just had to cobble up a bunch of animators from so many different studios at the last minute. And that's probably why it was such a mess, and probably why so many people didn't end up credited, because they had like a week, literally a week to work on it. And just no, I, get I that whole sequence that. I done. I hate to say it, but uh, you can I, feel I, it. I completely believe that. I absolutely can imagine that being like mm -hmm. a last minute turnaround. Because I follow a bunch of animators on Twitter, and yeah, you can see loads and loads of people, and I'm like, wait a minute, hang on, this is like supposed to be an A-list movie, and, you know, not to bash myself here or anything, but <laughs> I have not got the most prestigious resume out hey, there. Hey, you worked on Final Space, man. That's pretty This is true, but I also worked on, like, I also worked on Sunny Day, and somehow that has more seasons, and so the world has no justice once again, but... <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> For me, and I'll tell you another amusing anecdote, I actually saw Matrix Resurrections the other day, and then today I re-watched uh, Looney Tunes' uh, New Legacy, or Space Jam New Legacy, and I actually titled my notes for this Looney Tunes Reloaded, because... Yes. <laughs> so this movie, if the original Space Jam was struggling to pad out its runtime... This movie revels at 115 yeah. minutes long. It revels in just making references to previous Warner Brothers media. And there's an amazing scene, no spoilers for Matrix Resurrections if you feel like watching it, but there's a scene where a character explicitly says to another one, so we want to do another Matrix. And the character says, but we did a Matrix. We can't do another Matrix. And the first character says... Yeah, well, we're owned by Warner Brothers, so they're going to do one anyway. And yep. I think yep. that that is probably the most real comment I could make about Space Jam A New Legacy. Like, hey, take a shot every time you see Agent Smith in the background of the cartoon basketball game. Take a drink every time other... you see the Droogs from A Clockwork Orange. <laughs> <laughs> oh my background. god! Or, or, or the nuns from the devils. Yep. But <laughs> Pepe Le Pew. Oh no, he's too much. Pepe Le Pew's yeah, too like, much. We gotta get look rid at of all the these characters and properties that we have legal yeah. intellectual yeah. rights over 100%. in the background. This film exists for two reasons. <laughs> I said this in my review. This film exists for two reasons. Okay, one reason is to sell HBO Max subscriptions <laughs> for all of the different Warner Brothers products, and the other one is to massage LeBron James' ego. 
Holy shit. Okay, so we mentioned with the other films that the actors weren't afraid to poke fun at themselves with the whole, you know, baseball face in Space Jam or Brendan Fraser playing himself as an egotistical douchebag. You know, they had some fun, like, poking holes at themselves. But in this, every other fucking scene is just people going like, wow, you're the best, LeBron James. You're really the best. You're so good. You're so good that I gotta put you on my team. And my team will literally be unstoppable. Like, that's every other conversation, and there's just, it, it just LeBron exists. James. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I know the real reason why LeBron James is in this movie, so people can jerk him off for two hours. It's so obnoxious, and, like, there's just nothing like, you know, back in action or uh, Space Jam and self-referential humor or poking fun at itself, because it's completely unaware of its own stupidity and just how soulless and corporate the whole production is, that it's just, it made me feel drained after I was done. I there, there is, had to there, go there, there is one thing I want to there, there is one thing I want to contrast that I thought was interesting. So uh, Michael Jordan, the original film, has a family and he has a home. And I imagine none of those are like, well, it's not his real family. And I imagine it's not his real home either. But it's like a very kind of usual suburban kind of house. Like it's a little it's a little upscale for yeah. sure, but it's not like a mansion. Uh, LeBron James has his own basketball court and With he, he dispensable lives in basketballs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he like he he lives the highest echelon of life. So there's no humility there, even if if it's like artificial humility. There there's none of that in this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I... He doesn't feel like a real person. And can we talk about the dumb subplot of his uh, wanting his son to go to basketball camp, and then his son wants to go to e free game camp. Yes, this movie has a budget of 150 million dollars, and they call the camp e free game camp. The, the, writers, the writers clearly didn't know <laughs> what E3 is and that they'd never have their own camp. Yeah, 100% the writers of this movie have no idea how video games work or how the internet works. Oh, yeah. But, you know, well, I'm not and, expecting and, much from and, a and space like His original movie, coast but... makes him, his original coast discourages him from distracting himself with a Game Boy, so he tosses a Game Boy in the garbage. Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? He spent like $200 play, on that. <laughs> just to play devil's advocate, I think we should at least acknowledge that LeBron James is probably a better actor than Michael Jordan. I disagree. I disagree. Really? Immensely. immensely. Oh, I disagree. No. There are so many scenes where he, like, he's trying to act sad and he's trying to act emotional. Anytime he tries to be funny, I just had secondhand embarrassment. It was like... Sure, there was something like more okay, no, I, 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 I think I think yeah. LeBron James knows the movie he's in, where Michael Jordan wasn't quite sure I, yet. That was more charming to me, though. Whereas here, it's like True. you know See, the movie like, you're in, and you still suck. <laughs> you still no, fucking Michael suck. Jordan I, just, Michael Jordan's performance is just wooden. Yeah, Michael like, when he's just But like, it was funny. But here, it's like you're trying, but you're failing, so it's just cringy. Well, but at wanna, least he tried. Are, are we talking about Michael the... A. Jordan or Michael B. Jordan? Oh god! That I I will admit I, that I was the one was funny part of the movie. movie. Yeah, that was the I, only I, laugh I had throughout the entire film. I, I, I did actually laugh at that. That was great. Yeah, that that was um, pretty great. And him just showing up, being like, "What? What's going? Oh, okay." Like, <laughs> well, lads, that's as far uh, as the humor gets. I yeah. thought he aged very well. <laughs> I wanna I wanna get um I wanna get referential I, on I everybody. Oh like... boy, go for uh, it. Does anybody have a favorite uh, reference world they visit briefly? I no. think that Roadrunner and Coyote in Mad Max world was very fitting. 
It's that was so great. stupid. I hate it. I, I no, it. it's so lazy because it's, it's like we're just gonna go. I fucking love yes. it. <laughs> yes. They just went over live action footage and brushed it in After Effects. Like it's so yep. fucking lazy. I hated uh, that so much. I appreciate. I, I, I appreciate I, several of these. Oh, sorry, Devin. Yes. No, I I just enjoyed it for that in and of itself. Like this is a stupid movie anyway. So I might as well enjoy that they actually I, referenced uh, the movie I like. I don't know. Yeah, it, they reference the movie the I like, and they I reference argue... Rick and Morty, and I love Rick and Morty, and Dan Harmon does a fun job with their appearance in the movie, but again, it, their appearance oh makes no sense and has no narrative ties whatsoever. That it's just like a referential humor for the sake of referential humor. That's not what humor is. So, Here's the um... thing. I would actually argue I would actually argue they didn't go far enough with all the referential humor. I think they could have gone farther. Like why is it that we're fighting a goon squad of like characters that are also based on like yeah basketball characters? Like if you're gonna do Warner Brothers properties, why not have the Looney Tunes play a basketball game against like the Justice Warner League Brothers or properties? something? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I feel yeah, I feel like they could have gone a little further with it and just be even more ironic, and it could have been. But there's no uh, irony to it. That's the problem. It, they yeah, became the what they were it's... making fun of in the other movies. So, yeah, more, more or less. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm so, struggling to find things I like about this movie, honestly. And I think Sorry, this is jerk. why. Well, this is why I wanted to do Space Jam from '96 compared to New Legacy from 2021 because I, I in particular, I want to compare and contrast the Monstars and the Goon Squad. Uh, at least with the Monstars, yeah, they're they're goofy and they're silly, but there's a reason for them for me to care about them as antagonists, right? Yeah, you know, they, exactly. They, Very they, true. They have real interactions with the Looney Tunes before, during, and after their game. But with the, the Goon Squad, just algorithmic entities invented out of thin air by... I can't believe this movie. I did not like Don Cheadle. They made me not like his character. <laughs> he's and so bad. I can't forgive them for that. And Don Cheadle's I, great, but he's terrible in this. Yeah, no, exactly. They did not give him a good role. Like he's a good actor. You can tell he just looked at the script and was like, "Fuck this, fuck this." So I'm this, not doing anything with this. Like, this what do you want plot me to do? is so dystopian too. Like, yeah, man. it's oh, like yeah, all like... of these products coming together and all of these referential humor, and you get to see your favorites like and... King Kong and Iron Giant and. And, and, and it's, it's like it's like Don Cheadle like kind of impersonates his dad at one point almost perfectly, and he says, "If you have a device with a camera, I can see you and I can hear you," and he just casually mentions that fact. Like we're that's like terrifying. That. It that is, is terrifying. terrifying. This is this is genuinely terrifying. Um, I want to take this movie more or less like one scene at a time because there's I have several there's pages so of notes for yeah, this. Yeah, please nonsense. go ahead. Um, so lay it on thick. One of the first things I wrote down about this movie is I want to compare and contrast this against yet another movie I saw very recently from the same year, uh, Dune versus Space Jam A New Legacy. <laughs> LeBron, the first thing I see of LeBron James in this movie is him being angry at his children. Compare and contrast that against Oscar Isaac as Duke, uh, Duke Leo Atreides in Dune. Like... One of my favorite moments in Dune is when Oscar Isaac is talking to his son and he says, you know, his son says, I don't know if I'm ready to be the leader of this planet. And his father says something to the effect of, you've already done all you need to do. 
you're still my son regardless. And I'm like, literally, Duke Atreides is a better father than Le LeBron James for all of this movie. Yeah, okay, that, I mean, and, yeah, and yeah. I'm also so <laughs> glad that Dune hadn't been released yet and that there is no reference to it in this film. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, and also... Thank God for that. Dune also had barely more budget than this. Like, $150 million went to this movie, and it looks like shit. All of the 3D oh, designs gosh. are terrible, unfinished. They look like they were made in afternoon. All of the Goon Squad look like Uncanny Valley nightmares. And, like, I thought the effects were particularly terrible. Like, the water effects guy and the fire effects guy. Like, there's so much of the effects on the screen. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I cannot see the screen. I cannot tell what's happening. That's on a big 55-inch 4K TV. Yeah. People could watch and, this on a smaller format and still be even more confused with all the visual noise. And I, I, I wouldn't fault the animators for that because you can tell they're giving it their all, but it's just the, the, the broad concept and the conditions that they probably had to to work on these things yeah. didn't allow them to for breathe sure. or to be or to be good effects. Like oh. the animators can only do so much. Technically speaking, they, you know, did as best as as you can t as they could, but it's just the the end result just feels so cluttered. No, I absolutely agree with that, Devin. And for me, you guys probably saw this as well, because most of you are filmmakers yourselves. You probably saw there's a scene where Don Cheadle, I'm not calling him Algy Rhythm, it's Don Cheadle, is <laughs> it's talking to LeBron's planet. son. When he's talking to LeBron's son, and he holds up a hologram that is the UI of his son's game. Ugh. And uh, Don Cheadle says, with this game, we can make you a better basketball player. And if you guys remember that scene, Don Cheadle is delivering his lines, holding his hand out, and the FX animators have to animate that hologram covering Don Cheadle's face completely because they didn't tell him not to hold his hand in front of his face. <laughs> and so Don Cheadle's face is totally obscured oh by God. this piece of visual effects, yeah. and the crew has no other choice but to use that shot because that's what they filmed. Yeah, and, and you yeah. could, like, even the live-action segments, like when they're just shooting with real people in real locations, it just feels off. Like, the way it's shot, the way it's overlit, the way there's, like, this weird blue lighting effect... Like, it all yeah. looks like a commercial. It all looks like uh, a movie also made the... on YouTube, not for 150 oh, million and, fucking dollars. And, and, and just comparing, like, openings and, compare and, and like, shots and whatnot, like, the, the edit of this and the live-action segments just feel so slapdash. Like, it yeah. cuts to... Like, like you get maybe this estab like really quick establishing shot, then it cuts to a, like an over the shoulder of the mom, and I don't know who this person is yet, and she's like talking mid sentence, like I missed what she was saying before this. I'm like, did did my movie skip? Like what? Like is that just the how nope. the edit is? That's just how it like is. some of those things where like in the original film you have this nice like boom shot from a crane, um showing this house and showing a little kid with a basketball, like basic filmmaking language that kind of brings you into the story where this just kind of cuts to it, and it just feels very abrupt and rushed mm -hmm. together. So I have an awful question, though. Which movie is more shameless, this one or Ready Player One? Oh, my God. This uh, one. Hands down. This one. <laughs> yeah. It's close, but this one. Ready Player One was at least, like, it, A, the book was like that, so they're trying to interpret it from the book, and B, it was just, like, 80s references. It wasn't just, oh, the studio made this, and they're trying to sell HBO Max subscriptions. No, like, it's a bunch of different properties like there's you know it's not just warner Bros. there's warner Bros. but there's also blizzard and 20th century fox and 
you know, all of these video game characters. Like, there's at least some variety to it. They at least space it out a little bit. But here it's just like, okay, we just want to sell HBO Max subscriptions, whatever, who cares? You're oh, just gosh. here for the nostalgia anyway, so we're going to milk it dry. Also, like, you know what's fun funny? The whole, the villain, his big bad is like the, the ultimate stakes. Is just like if you don't win this basketball game, you're trapped here. Everybody here gets to stay in the server verse, and all I'm just and I'm just kind of like, that sounds badass. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the problem that, like, here? I can it... go to the Matrix or I can go to the Mad Max Fury Road. Like, yes, lose, lose, LeBron. Yeah, I, I, know. I would love Yeah, that. there's no stakes. It's not like you're going to be eternal slaves for a horrible organization. It's like, yeah, you get to stay here. Okay. Well, and other it's things. like it's it, it, it's it's the the server verse, and I think the metaverse was announced not too long after this came out. Yeah. Yep. No, I want to oh, actually God. talk. Th the stakes in this movie baffled me because when they said Don, when Don Cheadle says, you know, the stakes are if you lose this game, all the tunes get deleted. I just sort of, I literally paused my video, put my face in my hands, and said to myself, out loud, so do my DVDs just break? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, no. And then, you mean they delete? Do they delete the old... Sorry. Do they delete the To have the gall... Sorry. Somebody talk. <laughs> you have the gall... I'm getting deja vu. It feels like a glitch in the Matrix. <laughs> go ahead. I'm leaving that go, then. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's fine. It's like, I don't know what they were trying to go with that, but the stakes did not feel real at all. I mean, they didn't feel real in the first movie, but they somehow felt more real than this. And the soundtrack carried the last movie. The soundtrack in this is so forgettable. It's just a bunch of generic, bland pop nonsense. And they don't use the Space Jam theme. I run through the whole credits, oh, man. the entire credits, and they don't even use the Space Jam theme in the credits, even once, that, not even a yeah, remake. That is a big crime. That is a crime. That's a crime it's, against it's, humanity. It's such... Even in the opening credits, they couldn't have done like a yeah. remix of the original. Oh, and the like, opening credits look so like, bad. Like it looks it, like it's, the it's intro such a I painful made for this irony. Channel. They it's such a painful irony. They call this a new legacy because they they absolutely tarnish it. <laughs> yeah, tenfold. But oh, uh, but but to get back to what you were saying, Drew, like the fact that like the stakes are like oh the Looney Tunes get deleted, and then Bugs Bunny gets deleted, but then at the end of the movie he's then just he like, doesn't. Yeah, it's I'm fine. a tool. I can survive anything. Yeah, it's and like, everybody else matter. is in the main world, so it's like, yeah, it, it didn't matter. And I knew that going in. It's like, come the <laughs> fuck on. Are we seriously doing this? Like, just bring it back already. You're not going to kill off a very famous property. It's like Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad. You're not going to kill them off because it makes you money. Fuck off. Just skip to the end. I, I was like Carl and Up just yelling, skip to the end! <laughs> What bothered me so deeply about that ending in particular, I don't care about spoilers for the audience, don't bother with this movie. Yeah, what bothered don't. me so much yeah. is it's a they make a big deal out of LeBron and his family getting sucked into this like matrix AI hell that is the serververse. And then at the end, Michael, you know, uh and then at the end, LeBron James is just standing there and Bugs Bunny just walks up to him in the real world no explanation for where he came from. He's just there. I literally thought I blacked out for a second and missed Yeah, and again, it's the jarring editing. Yeah. It just feels so slapdash and put together oh, in yeah. the last minute. Like, the whole film has that vibe, despite being in production supposedly for so long. Like, it's so bizarre. 
Ah, oh, man. How bizarre. Um, How bizarre. Yeah. Some of the some of the writing really first of all, I don't think I actually mentioned this, but I was I was keeping track of this movie because after Space Jam ninety six, I wanted to keep track of it. It takes a full one hour and ten minutes until they even play basketball. And then the last fifty minutes or so is just them playing basketball and it's so monotonous and repetitive and you get to see porky pig rap for five minutes and then the guy oh, it's not just like he's spinning straight fire guys he's spinning oh, straight fire raps oh god so that i want to talk about that scene though because for me that scene should have gone to daffy daffy should have been the one to think he's so charismatic and good and intelligent and then he does a rap and the joke should have been what Daffy always does. He's full of his own ego, thinks he'll do amazing on the first try, yeah, fails and then they utterly, laugh at and him everyone and laughs boo at him. him. That's what should have happened, and honestly, they should have booed him for this, but they're like, no, that was amazing. You get 20 points. I'm like, what? No. <laughs> points. Yeah, negative okay. points. <laughs> There's something that was really jarring, though. Was this, I like, I don't know, I watched this, like, I watched this um, as a digital copy, so maybe they edited this in or something, but Near the end, when the goon squad is finally losing the game, Don Cheadle calls his team together and starts, like, trying to give them a really vicious pep talk. And there's a scene where he just, like, they just bleep him as if he's saying horrible curse words for, like, three straight seconds. And that yeah. really jarred me. Like, what yeah, the hell? It, it, is it, that supposed to be him saying violent curse words in front of a minor? Yeah, and here's the thing, like, they don't even address that as a joke. Like, if you compare that to Scott Pilgrim when they did it, and Scott Pilgrim's like, how are you doing that with your mouth? Like, that would have made it so much better. Like, somebody just addressing, like, whoa, how'd you bleep out like that? But it's just, they do it once, it's never addressed again. It's like, okay, whatever. Oh, the humor we... in this film is garbage. It's so like, what... unfunny. Like, like, the only time I chuckled I was the Michael Jordan joke. Like they, I like they did. I, I can't touch this reference. Like, is that even yeah. still a thing? Like, da, remember no, no, MC Hammer? No, 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 no. can't touch this. Remember yeah, Big like, Chungus? <laughs> Big Chungus? Yeah, yeah that's all like... the humor is. It's just remember this, remember that, remember this. Five Warner Brothers kids. It's just a memes. dystopian nightmare. We, yeah, we, memes. We 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 know what memes are, yeah. especially the ones that reference Warner Brothers. Le things. LeBron James stabs, because that's not embarrassing to watch at all um i actually want to i sincerely want to know though guys because i think that 3d animated lola bunny is the worst look the second worst looking model oh i God. think that realistic human granny is also very unsettling bugs but bunny I, looks like a nightmare like it looks I like actually, a creepypasta like i actually think my favorite 3d rendition is daffy duck oh yeah but you know, you're you're comparing Daffy... a pile of shit uh, with a diamond inside of it with a pile of shit with corn inside. Like it's not really <laughs> much there. Oh, it's um, corn. <laughs> I think that I think that CG animated Daffy Duck at least gets the most expressive character acting, some yeah. of the most most dynamic poses, and I still think they at least try and make him an ego inflated team manager yeah i think that was vaguely i think the voice person. actors for like the animated characters except for zendaya who kind of sucks it kind of sounds like she doesn't know what she's doing i, I think like the zendaya other animated characters like the voice actors for them i think they tried their best like you could tell they were still passionate about their characters but they just had nothing to work with in this movie 
Well, especially since there's only like what three voice actors doing the main Looney Tunes, like it's really not that big of a, a crew. I think. Yeah, and, I think like Eric Bauza and Jeff Bergman did the most of the voices. Yeah, but they do a good job, is what I'm saying. Like I think they oh totally they, they give it their all. But that's like that's the one good thing I could point out to this movie besides the Michael B. Jordan joke. There is nothing else about this movie that's <laughs> even redeemable for, for me. I hate this film. Oh God. I mean, uh, I was I'm just not I was lie. just reading about like I was just reading about Zendaya being in this because I remember her making a statement about being very selective with her roles. Like she turned down a lot of other superhero <laughs> roles after being in Spider Man and wanting to do you know some some really prestigious art projects like Dune and saying um, she was called up by Ron Coogler to voice low in the film and offer she accepted because of her interest in working with Coogler and being a fan of the original and then. Uh, family history with basketball. I mean, at least she's not in it for very much. Yeah, Kugler dropped out of the project, didn't he? And so uh, he I produced it. Yeah, uh, he did produce it. That's right. And good, yeah. good job on that. <laughs> no, I, what are we like, rated uh, it? <laughs> this movie was so baffling to me in so many different ways. Um, even thinking about how they get into their worlds, like in Space Jam '96. To get to Toon World, uh, Michael Jordan just, you know, falls through a golf course <laughs> into the core of the Earth. And I guess that means that the Looney Tunes live in the Earth center it's like 20,000, you know, journey yeah. to the center Hollow of the Earth. Earth. It's canon. Hollow yeah. Earth theory. It's real. It's legit. Yeah. Space yeah. Confirmed it. <laughs> but now they live in the server verse, which as far as I can tell is a single basement in the Warner Brothers studio lot. And... Yeah, it's cool, but it's, you know, I don't know. I, I would have liked to see a little bit more continuity, even compared and contrasted against the fact that Bugs acknowledges that Space Jam 96 happened. Um, you know, it, uh, for me, I think that I actually had some of the most fun in this movie with Lola Bunny's animated segment where she's trying to become uh, like a, a Wonder Woman Amazon warrior. Oh yeah, yeah. I really that liked happened. the character, the character animation, the compositing, the style, the comic book mimicry. Like that was very inventive. I enjoyed that. Whatever studio was in charge of that, they actually really delivered something I, fun I, to watch. I think they I did like their that. best. I, I did like but that bit. I think the hand-drawn animation kind of looks terrible too. But I wouldn't blame the animators <laughs> for that whatsoever because if the theory about them working for a week is true, then what else were they supposed to do? Well, and quite frankly, you know, the, the big problem is there's a lot of demands with very little time to do things. Um, mm -hmm. Loads of people like to think that because a movie is its own self-contained thing, that you can just take an infinite amount of time. But the sad fact is uh, studios and investors and executives demand results on time. You Just because you're a movie doesn't mean that you'll get forever. And in fact, getting extensions on your movie can sometimes even be worse than a television show because films have so much money wrapped up in them. Um, so to see something fun like that, like, again, it's... I would argue that this one has some of the patchiest animation. Some of it clearly has more love put into it than others, and I'm not blaming the animators for that. No, me There's neither. clearly some time crunch that had to go into this. Mm-hmm. Even the audio I, sounds I off, that, like, and the hand-drawn animation think was off. Yeah, like LeBron James looked like it sounded like he recorded from his mansion or something. He didn't sound like he was in a studio. Like he kind of sounded like this. Hmm. 
But not even just that, like syncing the animation to some of the lines. Like I did notice that like there was a few scenes. I think the one that stood out the most was when Daffy Duck yeah, yells is cut in the and... DC mm-hmm. universe as Superman. And there's like, yeah, like the the line just doesn't sync up with his mouth. And like, yeah, that totally he, he yells been cut, like a, but it sounds thing. like he's saying three seconds worth of dialogue. But he only says yeah. cut. <laughs> They could have they, they could have redubbed it after the fact too. Like maybe the line was different, and you know, with animation, you're supposed to record the lines first, then animation to sync up. But uh, you know, they might have changed some things and they tried to redub the line in a way that looks like it kind of works. I mean, I've even noticed the that with some too, the, with some of the original film. Well, the other thing too is uh, the shadow effects, like the shading and stuff on the characters. It's so flat. Not as good as the last two movies that we saw. No, not even remotely. Oh, yeah. I I think Back in Action had the best shading of all of them. Yeah, Yeah. Back in Action just had the best animation, period, out of all of them, which is funny to say that a, a film that came out 17, 16 years before Space Jam New Legacy somehow has way better animation at a way lower budget. And... It's all to show that it doesn't really matter the technology, but it's the people that you hire and yeah. the amount of time and care you and how you use uh, it and, and allow them to have in order to 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 create these things. Like it's if you treat your animators well and you give them an adequate amount of time to work on projects, they will do amazing work. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I I completely agree. Yeah, what would you um, guys give this? Uh, well, there's a, one there's one last thing yeah, I want sorry, to mention. It's about the writing itself. Um, <laughs> Because we've talked a lot about the visuals of this film and some of the confusing editing choices and the uh, sometimes inconsistent animation. Uh, But I want to talk a bit about the writing. And in particular, one of the moments that made me physically slam my fist on my keyboard. (laughs) Well, no, not literally. But what made me very aggressively tap the space bar to pause this movie (laughs) was, was the absolute dud of an emotional payoff at the end of this movie when lola bunny and lebron say you know have a conversation near where they're losing their basketball game and lebron says come on guys what are you doing and lola bunny says very bashfully we've been trying to be like you and i paused the film and i shouted to myself no you have not you have been tunes this whole time not once have you attempted to play basketball like sane people and ironically being insane and ignoring all possible rules is what wins the game like it did in the previous movie. Yeah, it's just the same structure as the previous movie. Like, they start out getting crushed by the bad guys, they act more like Toon characters in the second act. Towards the end, there's a deal that the characters throw in to make the game more interesting, and then they, you know, LeBron James scores at the last minute just like Michael Jordan does. Like, alright, the same fucking nonsense. Actually, you know, you could take that even further. Like, the film starts, both films start with a flashback to yeah. the basketball players. It opens with uh, a montage past. and the opening titles, montage. which looks like shit in this version. They meet the Looney Tunes. They have to, like, yeah. You could make the argument that like, this is basically the same movie, just, you know, copy-pasted. Uh, I absolutely agree. And a huge thing that I kept thinking to myself I honestly kept thinking to myself is why is LeBron doing this? If I was a father and my son was technically actually kidnapped 
and he was right there, no force on earth would stop me from walking over, grabbing my son by the shoulders and saying, something is horribly wrong here, we're leaving right now. Yeah, nah, that makes sense. Um, the, but the fact that he just sort of says, fine, I'll play basketball at these absurd, you know, uh, stakes, even with Michael Jordan in the original Space Jam, I get it. Like, he's doing the tunes a favor, and he kind of lets his ego play a little bit when the tunes call him chicken for not playing basketball. That's the stakes, and that's fine with me. But this is a... But Space Jam A New Legacy is a movie fueled by kidnapping and extortion. And that's... <laughs> That's way more serious and treated with absolutely no reverence. Like, I was almost hoping that Space Jam A New Legacy would have them turn the game around by making another steroid joke. Because what we didn't mention for Space Jam 96 oh, is what yeah. turns them around is, instead of believing in themselves, they have a locker room joke about steroid water. My doctor told me never to take this stuff. <laughs> Do you want to win the game? You want to win the oh, game, God. don't you? And they want some more when they find out this is real. And it's like, could you give us more anyways? <laughs> give us the stuff. Yeah. No. But yeah, there's like... none of that in New Legacy. It's like, if you're going to rip off the first Space Jam, at least take the good bits. Bits that worked. No? I... More referential humor? Okay. Great. I, I don't know, man. This movie for me, it just, it was, it was a bit of a chore to sit through. Yeah. I feel so much empathy for the people who very clearly did have to put in huge amounts of time and work i hate to say it ian but like the the guy who's a water and fire simulation i know just how much time had to go i make agree 100 percent with that and it just turned out so bad in the final I project i feel so bad i mean i know if, if if you if you give animators like a checklist of we gotta have a character that's made out of uh, water and fire and we gotta get it done within like a week or two you you can only expect so much, right? Exactly. And this whole film so, has a rushed slap the Gary feel to it. And it was just painful to sift through. It's so long. It does not justify its two hour running time. And it's just painful to watch. It reminds me of a dystopian future that we could run into someday. And it makes me terrified about the future of filmmaking oh, and humanity. We're oh. there. Don't and, worry. Uh, it's, yeah. I gotta tell you guys. Get, get I mean, comfortable. Uh, Ian, uh, you know, talking about the fact that this movie has just about double the budget of his predecessor, this movie hardly scraped by with a profit. Yeah, I know, and Warner Brothers wow. lost so much money this year. The only project they had this year that made a profit was Dune. Every other project they had this year was a flop. Which is so... That, that feels like some justice to me, that, you know, Dune is... <laughs> I, I don't know, like, the, the whole history of that book being try, trying to get adapted to film has been such a string of like failures and people just trying really hard to get their minds wrapped around this like really dense book with such a deep like lore and you know and, and, and a studio taking a chance to try to get that thing made and made uh properly or at least relatively compared to how the other ones were and it actually doing relatively decently in comparison to these other films and um you know and at least better than what they expected. I, uh, I, I felt that would, that was a really good thing, and I cannot wait for the second part of that to come out in a couple of years. <laughs> Fingers crossed. All right. Uh, this piece of shit gets one point five out of ten. It's one of the worst films I talk about on the podcast. 
What about you wow. guys? Wow. Yeah, I, I. Yeah, the only parts I liked were some of the cast, the voice acting cast, and one joke. That's it. Yeah, I I kind of tuned out halfway through the the last act because huh, I was unintended. Tuned out. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course you did. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't intend it, but I'm just gonna say I did because that's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I have like two brain cells left at the end of this, so that's why I'm gonna give it. Hey, there you go. <laughs> what about you, Drew? Which 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 is a modicum more more generous than your rating, but yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Drew. Perhaps I'm being far too generous here. Perhaps I'm not. I'm going to give this movie, for me, this one gets a 3.5 out of 10. I yeah. I did appreciate for what it for what it was, and there is very little of what's there. I My heart goes out to all of the very hardworking people who clearly wanted this to be a success. Because I can see loads of parts of this movie where the corners weren't cut. Um, when Bugs dies and his soul becomes this giant explosion of sparkle effects, like, you didn't have to draw that many sparkles. I've had to draw effects that are full of sparkles. I know how much time that takes. That was effort right there. Uh, when Lola Bunny is, like, holding Bugs's corpse, uh, you know, she's got some real tiredness on her face. That's effort. Uh, the compositing work. My god, this movie must have been months of just compositing, slaving over hot NVIDIA processors just to make these characters stand in the same world as LeBron James. And it gets a 3.5 just because I know how much effort that is. Yeah. I'm... I mean, the, 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 the two that I gave it go completely to the animators. Yeah, yeah. For, I'd agree for, with for, that. For putting up with all this sh bullshit. And, I, and, and actually, I had a very similar point. I don't know if anybody remembers Valerian. It was. Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, I I think that that film, regardless how awfully it did, and you know, it just wasn't as great as it could have been. I think it's a great portfolio piece for any of the animators that worked on it, because there was a lot of great work that was done. That unfortunately is just kind of there in the background. It doesn't have anything to do with the main plot. And there's so many more interesting stories that could have come out of that, you know, property. But props to all the animators that worked on it. I think. You know, this film, as much of a dumpster fire as it is, is a great piece for any animator's portfolio to say, look at the shit I've had to deal with, and hire me, please. <laughs> this is true. I would have yeah. given this movie a 4 out of 10, but they made uh, Bugs say, what's up, Dom? And that takes a .5 off my score. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Ted? Tad. <sighs> Tad, sorry, um, Tad. Yeah, his name right, goddammit. I'm sorry. Tad, this, Tad, this whatever. Is, uh, this is not a good movie. Um, it's definitely the worst that we've seen. I have a hard time giving it anything below a two just because of the animation. And there are some really, really, really minor things in it that I liked. I mean, I'm going to be completely selfish here. I got to see Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner, my two favorite Looney Tunes in Mad Max Fury Road, one of my yes. favorite movies of all time. Yes. Yep. Like, I can't hate a movie that did that. Like, uh, and here we are. I'll give it a, I'll give it a four. Oh, highest rating of. The I mean, 
There I've seen go. some pretty bad shit in my time. Like I've I, seen I mean, Wolverine movies. Like those are I, I, those I mean, are so much fun. When, when, when you're scraping the bottom of the barrel and you get a, a nice tasty piece of Wiley e. Coyote and Mad Max, you, you should appreciate it for what it is. Yes. Sure. <laughs> Great. Uh, <laughs> just, just, the, just ignore all the splinters that are in in that piece. Well, the implication that Granny logs into the Matrix to use her Twitter account is a terrifying thing. I want to forget this movie applied. <laughs> Yeah, that oh, stuff like that and the Porky Pig rap sequence are why this movie is very deserving of a 1.5. Oh, yep. Lads, I've had a great time talking about this. Yeah, uh, also, just quick mention, sorry, Daryl was on the channel. Uh, if you're listening to this now, thank you so much, buddy, for listening in. I hope we did the trilogy some justice, and thank you, Drew. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, it's fine. That's all I was going to say. I've had a great time with this. Uh, thank you guys for encouraging me to watch some movies that I really enjoyed and I absolutely would not have watched otherwise. <laughs> well, thank that's, you. That's for... what this podcast is for. Yep. And a happy new year to anybody who's listening in. Thank you so much to those who have supported the channel for a full year. Season two, we talked about well over 100 movies in one year, wow. which is just insane. And that's not including the TV shows and the video game we talked about. Uh, next week, uh, in the new year, the first episode of the new year, we are talking about, because they make me want, want to make me suffer more, talk about the Matrix Quadrilogy. All four Matrix movies, not including Animatrix, so the Matrix, Matrix Revolutions, Matrix... Sorry, Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Revolutions, and then Matrix Resurrections. All four films. Stephen will be joining us next week, along with our good friend Bernard. Hopefully he'll tune in as well. And uh, is it Thursday yet, guys? Uh, have a great night. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. And as my friend Stephen would say, stay tuned for Conan. <laughs>